0: Fascinating, don't you agree? Oh, yes, two vast computers so evenly matched they can't outthink one another. You know how the stalemate can be broken, of course. Oh, no. Ball to open, ball to open. Yes, and what do you do? Penetration, drilling into
1: objective area is totally impotent. Yes. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here
0: come the
1: drums. Hello and welcome, welcome to a very, very special episode of Pull to Open, the ongoing quest, the only ongoing quest on your podcast style to go through all of the television show Doctor Who in extremely random order with a randomizer installed in our TARDIS. My name is Chris Taylor.
0: And I'm Pete Paschel. Chris and I are a couple of guys who wander throughout time and space, but specifically time. We're all always on time. I want everyone to know this, that <laughs> we're always completely punctual. Yeah. At our a proper place in time and space constantly because we have such a good sense of time that's right but we're really like time lords ourselves i really think we should we should put that on our linkedin profile so that mind, everyone. i i always
1: since we're going to be talking about douglas adams this this uh uh this episode i'm going to tell you one of my favorite douglas adams quotes it's from the uh, dirk gently series where dirk gently is late for something and he bursts into a room and he realizes the best thing to say is pray god i'm not too soon but that he's going to have to come up with a really, really good excuse after that. Um, I, I think about that a lot when I'm running five minutes late for things. But yes, time time management not not always the uh, the best thing. We're, we're recording here a little little later than planned on. Sunday, February 26th, and let us talk about where we have been on previous weeks, um, because it's been quite a trip. We were three episodes ago on Mars, for the waters of Mars, for what the Pull to Open listeners have decided is a 96% out banger. (laughs) <laughs> still still quite amazed by those results. Uh, we started doing polls on these stories on Spotify. So Spotify audience loved Waters on Mars with David Tennant. Two episodes ago, we zipped forward to Matt Smith uh, discovering dinosaurs on a spaceship, not a Viscount Banger. And then... Last week, we rocketed back in time to Pertwee in jail uh, with Unit and the Master and Joe and a creature in a vat with an eye that was sucking out all their evil impulses. It was the mind of evil. And then... Our randomizer actually, lo and behold, listened to us because I asked specifically to go back to my doctor, Tom Baker, and what did the randomizer do? It took us not just to my doctor, but to my first real uh, story, my first real Doctor Who story. Uh, in 1979, when I first became a true Doctor Who fan, was with this story. This is the dividing line for me. It's not that I hadn't wow. watched it before, but the, but this is it. This is the one that that got me. Uh, it was certainly my first Dalek story. It is the controversial, not always highly regarded. Uh, Terry Nation Douglas Adams joint known as Destiny of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and given your story there. <laughs> For the first time, the title makes sense to me. (laughs) It's like, yes, that's what this title was always leading towards. It's your destiny, Chris. My destiny. destiny.
1: No one ever knew whose destiny it was, but it was my destiny all along, which is entirely appropriate given, and we'll get to this, but I wrote my first piece of fanfic based on Destiny of the Daleks, uh, in which I... Uh, was invited by Doctor Who, as he was called in the fanfic because I was five years old, uh, to climb inside the television and join him in this adventure and have a better adventure than we want the one we saw on screen. So it was actually my destiny. Bit to join are there but anyway,
0: yeah. <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> but it was see, i could see tom baker's doctor recruiting kids on the other side of the screen <laughs> yeah, yeah the daleks yeah
1: come on. Yes. come on come on in kids come on terry nation doesn't know what he's doing anymore <laughs> <laughs> douglas adams is messing everything up come on come on it's all up to you uh yes but it's a very special episode also for Paul to open um because we're we're back to the fourth doctor that's one thing we haven't been there since september of 2022 when we were here for revenge of the cybermen which itself mm. was dalek related following on from genesis of the daleks um and uh we have done genesis of the daleks before of course so this is it play the sound effect we have got a fourth doctor dalek bingo everyone this is it no more Tom Baker plus Daleks.
0: Yeah. And again, someone correct us if we're wrong. I feel like I always <laughs> have to say that because we always sort of <laughs> seem to say things and assert them with such certainty, but we're sometimes not sure. No, this is it. Like There were only two main Dalek stories in Tom Baker, so there was Genesis and this one, Destiny, and they had a brief cameo in Legopolis. so if you really want to count that that's also we've done that too yeah Mm -hmm. we've done that too and and Mm -hmm. there are no other dalek appearances i think they are mentioned maybe once maybe twice more and i know one of them is in the face of evil when the doctor just sort of casually says there's a dead piece of equipment and says it's dead as a dalek Mm. um but that's like you know if you're getting into dialogue that's just silliness right um
1: i like that dead dead as the daleks were in the baker era which i hadn't really thought about how how few dalek stories there are
0: yeah, it's funny to look back then and compare it to New Who. And I was actually thinking about a little bit about this. Uh, why, why New Who just keeps doing the Daleks and they're sort of the rumor mm. that that's part of the contract. But there, there was a bit of a legendary status they kind of took on, you know, being so removed from the classic series, right? Mm. And then when they were so... Like we did Dalek, which um, was the first appearance of them in the new series. and yes so formidable so upgraded so much more dramatic it that the led the sort of what the legend sort of became real
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: it was just too tempting to keep uh keep them <laughs> to keep the, the showrunners to keep themselves from going back in and into that pool and just trying to keep Evolving them, yeah. Action, mm-hmm. yeah from, from mm. the daleks um some might say do diminishing returns but
1: uh, yeah i think you're absolutely right i think you're absolutely right but yeah it is interesting that you know for, for for the most casual of fans you know uh tom baker's doctor and the daleks are probably two of the most iconic things about doctor who uh hadn't thought about the, the fact that they're so uh together so infrequently um or that, that we would reach the end of it. We would see it no more on pull-to-open. Uh, but it's interesting that Randomizer taken us here right after a Pertwee episode that has a Cyberman, because, of course, right. Pertwee didn't really encounter the Cyberman except very, very, very briefly, uh, and, and we just did that. So we got the Pertwee Cyberman bingo. We have the Tom Baker Dalek bingo, and that's not even counting the pull-to-open bingo card that you may well have open in front of you uh thanks to one of our fans dad josen one on twitter we're still playing that uh, i don't think this counts as a cheesy segue so sorry you can't can't uh <laughs> can't check off that uh, that part of the pull to open bingo card but it is a nice slidey segue into
0: the feedback loop And be patient, listeners. I'm sure there will be a cheesy segue to come (laughs) later. But yes, we are in the feedback loop. And of course, the first thing we like to talk about in the feedback loop is reviews. Guys, if you're a subscriber of the program, you haven't left a review, please go into whatever app you're listening on. Usually it's the Apple Podcast app that allows for reviews. Leave us a review. It doesn't have to be long. It can be very quick. Uh, I don't think you even have to pause the playback. You can just go right in, quickly type out a review on your phone. Hey, good stuff. Hey, what's up? Hey, (laughs) just hey. Hey is fine. Just hey.
1: Or just an emoji title is fine.
0: Or an emoji title. Exactly. That doesn't take too many characters. You can think of the most basic thing, whether it's blinking. Is there a blinking emoji? If there isn't, there should be. But go ahead and leave that. I think I'll know what title that is. Mm. Uh, But... Various listeners sometimes leave us emoji titles if the reviews are a good place to leave them, but they also sometimes send them to us on Twitter. And we are, of course, on Twitter at Pull to Open 63 uh, Follow us there. And one of our fans, it is actually Bob Ghibli, a uh, longtime fan of the pod, friend of the pod, has uh, left us a few emoji titles. He left us a, a bushel of them Ooh. in one of our the tweets. So we're going to paste them out here okay. in our emoji title segment. Which uh, has me telling Chris what the emojis are, and he's going to guess <laughs> the titles. Usually, guys. Usually, I have done my research, studied the emojis, checked the titles in the codex, and figured out what they are. Well, this first one has me a bit flummoxed. Okay, okay. so kind of depending on you to sort of sort this out for me. I've got some suspicions mm-hmm. on what it is, but I, I genuinely am not sure. So, okay, this is a long one. Okay, all right. So we got five emojis. Okay. First emoji number four. Second emoji the number two. Forty two. Third emoji. Head down. Uh, looks like a, a female with Mm-mm. blonde hair. So it's Mm-mm. like the head hand on head on hands, kind of either the the uh, sort of worshiping or, um, you know, bowing down. Right. I guess. Right. Um, and then there's the shuffle emoji, the two arrows that sort of g- cross over each other to, to the mm-hmm. side. So they're both pointing to the right. And then there's the, again, the uh, sort of kneel before. <laughs> what is it? The head down emoji. Right. The sort
1: of the, 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 the Yeah.
0: And it looks like a man with dark hair.
1: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay.
0: So and that's it. Two head down female blonde shuffle head down uh dark haired male
1: okay so we've got 42 which is uh, entirely appropriate for the first story uh with Douglas Adams as a script editor um hmm. that we've gone to uh, i don't think it's the uh, the new who story 42 um unless it is unless they're doing I the. It is.
0: i don't think it's 42 hmm. Because then why wouldn't you just stop at 42?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we do encourage our, our listeners to do a little flourish with, you know, kind of uh, describing the story. And I'm <laughs> lost for uh, my memory of what the story of 42 contains. But uh, I don't think it any, involves anyone bowing down or any randomness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 4, 2. Uh, is it, huh, is it? the power of three, because three is between four and two. Uh, Yeah. What is the randomness? Maybe.
0: It could be. Here's, here's a couple ideas I had. I don't know (laughs) if they work, but maybe they do. Uh, So four is in some titles. And so they have four to doomsday. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Is this that though? Because what is the blonde woman and the dark haired man (laughs) and the shuffle?
1: You know, forty today um, better than I do.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some robots that take on human form. Mm. I don't. I. It's just too much of a stretch. I think to figure out these emojis, how they fit with that. So, I. I could. The other thing I. I, I that's focusing on the first part. You right. could Also focus on the second part, where you have essentially blonde woman shuffle. Yeah. Dark haired guy. I mean, that sounds like Power of the Doctor. Like, oh yeah. yeah second right
1: yes it could be it could definitely be that
0: and what's the four and the two huh Is it the doctors and the two companions like the class four classic doctors two classic companions it could be
1: it could be and the the shuffle being the sort of the uh, the master's doctor regeneration in that but yeah it's wow I, I think this may be the first one that has stumped both of us
0: yeah Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, we're not gonna uh, we <laughs> spend too much time with this guys. Yeah, youth. Bob. Um, if you know, or well, Bob knows, but uh, Bob knows. Bob, let us Bob know. could maybe give First us a hint on this one. We, I'm guessing, power of the Doctor. Well, are yeah. you guessing anything specific?
1: Oh God, what else did I say? I, I said power of three, which I don't think is true, but I'm just gonna throw it in there as a possibility.
0: So oh, Power 3 or Power of the Doctor.
1: Mm. Um, we're, we're feeling we're some about power about this. on this. Yes.
0: Yeah, a little bit. All right. So if you guys <laughs> have an idea of what this is, uh, please go ahead and tweet at us or tweet at Bob. And we're going to move on to the next emoji title. And I think this one is going to be a little bit quicker. All right. Chris, okay. ready? <laughs> yes. All right. There is the, the triple Z emoji. Z- z- okay. Z- okay. Sleeping. And then you have the cross-out symbol. Uh,
1: sleep no more. <laughs> oh, so easy. Thank you, Bob, for doing an easy one as well as an impossibly difficult one. Um, <laughs> maybe hmm.
0: that's the impossible girl. I, I was, was going to, to say, that. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe
1: 42 means life, the universe, and everything, which might give us more of a clue. Is that? There- Anything that's, is there in everything of the Daleks? No. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to keep, you know what? It's going to happen like 45 minutes into the show. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of it. Just skip ahead, <laughs> skip ahead. And uh, we'll, we'll just shout out in the middle of some debate about Terry Nation. We'll just there be like, go. oh, I know what it is. Yeah.
0: Uh, if you're skipping ahead. I think on Spotify, you're going to have to tap that button about a hundred times to get about halfway through the show. But if you are listening on Spotify, I would have some recommendations for you. Hey, you can rate the show on your mobile app. You can actually go in, give us as many stars as you care to leave. Uh, for some reason I'm picturing the number five, so go ahead and hmm. do five stars if you're so inclined. Uh, plus you can rate our episodes as well. Every week we are going to put out a poll to you, the listeners, to tell us what you think of the episode that we just talked about. And our rating system currently has four ratings. You can rate them a Dalek, an Ogron, a Professor Hater, a Viscount Banger. Fast forward to the end to find out what those mean if you're not sure. Um, but you guys can rate them, and we will uh, update you guys on what the results are. And I will do that now, because we have the results for Dinosaurs in a Spaceship and As expected, perhaps, there are 0% of people who think it's a Viscount banger.
1: oh, Rory's dad didn't vote, evidently.
0: 33% called it a Dalek, but half (laughs) called it a Professor Hater, which is, of course, an example of how not to do Doctor Who or not a great episode and you learn something about Doctor Who. And then 17% called it a Nogron, which, of course, is just plain bad
1: well wow. um so yeah. we we gave this one a professor hater right did we did we both do that uh,
0: we both did um oh god now I can't remember I, 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 I did I the <laughs> but we definitely didn't give it a Dalek uh yeah an ogron let me actually call it my old notes but yeah <laughs> yeah I think this mirrors I I'm not sure if we're influencing the fans I'm surprised um well not that surprised but like Thirty-three percent Dalek. I, I can see definitely the fond memories, particularly for yeah, them. yeah, exactly.
1: It's quite a good episode at Dalek. Uh, it's not not the best, of the best, but it's quite good. And and yeah, I had a surprising amount of fun rewatching Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. So, even though I may have rated it a Professor Hater, we're just finding out now. Um, but uh, I think, you know, we we are we are softening on what our Professor Hater means, so it, it doesn't mean that I don't have good feelings about it, so I can understand so you, the Dalek book. You
0: also didn't leave your rated in the notes, so we're going to have to check that out. But I did give this one an Ogron, and I think it was uh, because of the all the things that did not come together. It was just kind of a mess.
1: I'm pretty sure mine was a Professor Hater. I haven't given any Ogrons lately, so... Uh, uh yeah pretty sure that's what that was oh yeah and last week i do and you know with a mind of evil i gave that a professor hater and i do remember saying that i didn't want necessarily to go for two haters in a row um so yes that was my vote so yeah thank you thank you everyone for voting along with me um I appreciate your fifty percent support. Not quite as good as the ninety-six percent support Pete got last time for the Waters of Mars rating, but i I feel like I believe this result more.
0: <laughs> Alright. Well waiting. Big points for fan believability this time. And note to self to update the codex right after this. Alright. <laughs> Guys, don't forget to also follow us on YouTube where we're having a big push this year. We've got all our episodes. Every single Pull to Open episode is now on YouTube for you to binge watch or binge listen. It is at youtube.com slash Pull to Open. Of course, all of our short videos are there. We've got uh, well over 600 subscribers there. Really want to get to 1,000 in the next few months. I think we can do it by summer. Let's do it. So If you subscribe Mm. to the podcast uh, on audio form, please also subscribe on video form. Uh, on the YouTubes. All right. right. (laughs) Good discussion still happening on YouTube, of course. A lot of good comments. And we also still getting great comments on TikTok, where we're still doing lives every Sunday before we tape. We managed to have a quick look around my room uh, a little (laughs) bit before this one and see all sort of the Dalek stuff in the background. If you're looking on YouTube, seeing all my Dalek Easter eggs for, of course, the Destiny that we're about to talk about. Um, but the, our great listeners on TikTok uh, was really enjoying uh, our various videos on dinosaurs in a spaceship, and a lot of people resonated with the one about Brian, yeah, sort of the highlight. Brian um, and his trial, Brian, of course, being Rory's dad, and dinosaurs in a spaceship was his first appearance, and yeah, he was, he was, you know. Doing some stuff. Who's piloting ships with Rory? The trowel was a big highlight. He had at a at trowel the in his pocket. Yep. Mm-hmm. At the end, he's he's chowing down on his lunch there while sort of looking down on the world uh, from the the front door of the TARDIS, which is pretty cool. That's
1: right. Um, Sipping tea.
0: So, so, a couple of commenters highlighted something that I completely forgot, mm. and I think the first one to do it was Katie Lee four two two on TikTok, and she mentions. That river had a sonic trowel. And she did. Is it a family heirloom? Because of course Brian's her grandfather, right?
1: It, it, yeah, which is hard to think about sometimes. You have to remind yourself that that River is part of the uh, the Williams family as well as the the Pond family. Um, so yeah, Brian is granddad. Uh, it could be a family heirloom, uh, and it's definitely after that because we discover her sonic trowel in the husbands of river song Mm -hmm. yeah it's capaldi episode definitely after dinosaurs on a spaceship um but also in the moffat era so i can imagine moffat pulling that out as a uh, easter egg kind of thing uh a a little nod to the rivers and the to the ponds and the Williamses. um yeah and certainly you know wherever granddad is at that point i'm sure he's proud uh of river for for pulling that one out so yeah. good on that,
0: And I'm also a little bit like, you know, he was on Siluria, right? So yes. maybe that's like a thing you could pick up in the gift shop there. Or, <laughs> you know, the museums when you have dinosaur museums, you're like, oh yeah, you can just get the things the archaeologists use to dig up. Yes. So, there you go.
1: Yeah, or maybe it's it's super timey why I mean it was actually Rivers in the first place, then then Brian picks it up. Oh, then he wow. gives it back to River and it just creates a, a loop, a time loop. There, there we go big finish this is the spin-off nobody asked for at the sonic trowel spin-off let's yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's enough of these following characters that we see on screen let's follow a device
0: the bootstrapped sonic trowel <laughs> google That's it Talk said. google it all right guys closing out the feedback loop please follow us also on twitter I already mentioned pull to open 63 but instagram as well also pull to open 63 where we're always sharing videos photos and always welcome uh more comments so ordinarily this is the bit where there's probably some other business because doctor who's the thing being made right now and there's conventions like gallifrey one that just happened and lots of stuff but really
1: yeah
0: no there is isn't no <laughs> no <laughs>
1: No, let's get into it. I am so ready to plunge into Destiny of the Daleks. You had no idea. I've been sitting here regenerating for the last 20 minutes uh, into slightly different forms. You probably can't tell. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm so ready to talk. There's so much to get into here that we have to do it. We have to start with the thing we always start with, which is TLDW, too long, didn't watch, or too long, Doctor Who, or too long ago. Uh, don't mm-hmm. too long ago. Don't worry. Um, sure. uh, and yeah, well, let's do it that. But anyway, one of you us know. will, will describe the plot in record time. We assign 30 seconds per classic who episode one minute per new who episode. This is four classic episodes in destiny of the Daleks. And that means that it is two minutes. You Pete patch will have two mm-hmm. minutes to describe. It is your turn. Destiny of the all Daleks, nice. are you ready, sir? Are your tabs closed? Is your mind clean? Yes.
0: In mind, the mind probe has completely erased it. Didn't get right. out of there in time. Didn't get stazered like the Castellan. No, the mind <laughs> probe got um, Yeah, all the tabs are gone. No notes. All, all right. memory. Yep, you're feeling confident? Um, I'm going to sort of tap into how, you know, obviously the memory of watching it last week, but also... Mm. Having thought about it and how it sort of fits into Dalek canon for decades, so we'll see. We'll see how yeah. this goes. This is the danger of rabbit holes is high, I must say. But
1: there I'm is the danger—the danger of knowing it too well, as, as we as we found out with the Doctor playing checkers last week. Uh, sometimes it can appear too simple, and and uh, fine minds like ours or the Doctor's can get tripped up by that. So, you have two minutes. For the All official right. pull-to-open summary of Destiny of the Daleks in three, two, one, go.
0: So the Doctor's looking at K9. He's broken. He's got laryngitis. Romana regenerates in the TARDIS for seemingly no reason, but decides to do on the form <laughs> of Princess Astra. Uh, they go out. Uh, they, uh, they land on a planet. They don't know where they are, uh, but they quickly realize uh, after... They see a bunch of people uh, put a body and buried in rubble and they check out some ruins and the high radiation that this is actually Scarrow. Uh, but unfortunately the doctor and Romana got separated. The doctor is taking prisoner by these weird So looking guys um, that have landed on the planet in their ship. Whereas Roman is taking prisoner by the Daleks who uh, actually don't live there anymore, but there's an expedition there digging for something. The doctor knows what it is. And it's, or suspects what it is and finds out, yes, in fact, they are looking for Davros, their creator, who has been sitting underneath the rubble of their city for eons, it seems, And but is still somehow alive. And the doctor gets to him first because he knows the city and he knows the shaft that goes down to where it is, where Davros is. And he uh, tries to negotiate with the Daleks and uh, tell them to release all the prisoners uh, while the Daleks start killing them to try to get him to release Davros. Um, so the doctor escapes sort of through, uh, a passage, uh, the Dalek, the Daleks recover Davros, but their ship is six hours away. So what they need to do, because the doctor and Romana and the remaining slaves, uh, who have been freed, uh, sort of allied themselves with the Mavelans, who are these guys who landed and they're going to try to, uh, uh get Davros, and- 90 but seconds. they realize that the Mavellans are just as bad. they are another race of uh, sort of robotic creatures and they're at war with the Daleks, but neither there's not a single shot fired. They basically need someone to change their battle computers. And the Do- the Daleks want to use Davros, the Mavelans want to use the doctor, but the doctor tricks the, the da- Davros into destroying all these Daleks. Cause he was going to blow up the Mavellan ship with them. And then the Davros gets taken prisoner by the, uh, by the humans who have overpowered the Mavellans and he's th- frozen in cryogenics. They go off. I to go back to the and
1: Wow. Yes. I'm going to say, uh, we're, we're going to wait for the photo finish there, but I think you crossed the line just in time yes. in two minutes flat <laughs> and really good. I was a bit worried about where you included a corridor at one point. You were like, the, <laughs> the doctor escapes in a passage of some sort. Like, <laughs> yes, that is definitely that's uh, that's TLDW the shaft. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's so TLDW filler. Know. Basically, we can just sort of assume <laughs> that there's going to be a corridor, a shaft, a <laughs> something in every single uh, story. How so yeah,
0: for every TLDW, we should just say corridors running. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. If you can't remember where you are, just, just throw that out there.
0: For this yeah. one, it would be corridors running quarry.
1: Yes, <laughs> it is so a quarry. It is. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, okay, we'll, we'll get into my my excessive nostalgia for this story shortly. I don't want to splurge yeah, it will. all now. But it is definitely uh, one of the stories that made uh, my parents kind of always tell the quarry joke. It was like they were always looking out for quarries and Doctor Who. And every time we'd see a quarry, we're on holiday, we're like, "Oh, this is a great Doctor Who episode!" Like it just it, it cemented, as it were, very appropriately, since cement is mentioned <laughs> in this story. It cemented. The association, at least in mom, our minds, perhaps in a lot of people's minds, because this was this was a very, very well-watched episode of Doctor Hill, just to oh, say yes. that start. It started uh, season 17, um, you know, the one after the key to time series, the first series with uh, season with the randomizer in charge. So <laughs> we know why the randomizer's taken us here. He likes a story where the randomizer is largest in charge and has hit the shuffle button and Scarrow has come up. <laughs> 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 the, the the banger on the playlist as it were. Um not necessarily a Viscount banger. But yeah it was it was especially well watched in the UK in 1979 because ITV was on strike. So, you literally could either watch this or opera. That was it. There was no Channel 4. There was no ITV. It was on strike. It was the cable,
0: right? I mean, it was like, yep. you know, nope. it's all breakfast. Nope.
1: You had for this, on you know, between the 1st and 22nd of September, 1979, he basically, or at least for the first episode, he basically had the choice of Doctor Who and Destiny of the Daleks. On BBC One or Opera from Vienna on BBC Two for six hours. Um,
0: well, first yeah. of all, I'll say your family has all the makings of first class navvies. I'll just say that <laughs> for all their quarry, uh, yes. quarry and cement knowledge.
1: I, yeah. I'm sure they thought that I was going to go into the quarry business after watching all of this Doctor Who, but no, no.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to look, do the research for this one, and see just how highly rated, particularly the last two episodes were. It broke mm. records, like
1: fourteen million. Yeah, fourteen million. people oh,
0: yeah, like people the watching. third episode broke weapons, uh, broke mm-hmm. records to thirteen million, and then the the next one was even more. It was just crazy. Mm. To me, I think signals like a testament to Davros himself. I think there was probably mm-hmm. some word of mouth about. They, you know, certainly the Daleks are always a popular thing to bring back. And then when there's the big Davros reveal at the end of episode two, um, the, I think the word of mouth probably just spread. It's like, oh man, yep. there's Daleks and there's Davros. I remember that that one from five years ago where it was Davros yeah. and Davros is back. You know, that's the thing.
1: It's it's we're, we're we're going back into a different era here where you just didn't necessarily have a lot of sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, certainly not in Doctor Who, and certainly it was it was a rare thing when it happened and. Um, and, and the return of Davros, I mean, I, and some of us, like me, I had not seen Genesis of the Daleks. I was too young for that. Uh, I was barely alive when it was on. And so this was my first encounter with Davros. But I definitely, you know, got the sense he was a returning villain, even at five years old. I knew that. Um, and uh, that, that notion of him returning. I mean, a lot of people like to sort of look back, and it's so easy for us now to see both of Tom Baker's Dalek stories and judge them against each other but that's not right. how we would do it at the time like yes this is an inferior davros yes the mask didn't fit yes <laughs> you can see poor david goodison he's caught so much crap about this davros over the years um but he you know yes he was pedaling along in his little uh davros chair bike control um but so what? It was still scary. It was still moody. It was still lots of Dalek control room noise, uh, which, we, which it's interesting. I've listened to so much of our own show. I did not immediately identify as the Dalek control room noise. I identified it as the noise that we used for, um, for the feedback loop. <laughs>
0: It's like, Oh, <laughs> no! it's previously. It's for previously. previously. Oh, previously. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's right.
1: I sort of had that, that's uh kind of Pavlovian reaction there. And I'm like, Oh, I've, I've
0: always loved the Dalek beat. I got to say, and mm. it, it's not so much. It's like a good tune or anything. It's just a beat, but it is like, mm. I, I love that. It's been there. I believe since the beginning to my knowledge, I think it's been around since at least Dalek invasion of earth, perhaps. Yes. The Dalek. And, that beat. It's just like this consistent theme, thing. Every, almost, almost every Boop. Dalek episode, they bring it back. And it was <laughs> one of the things that uh, I love the sort of slow reveal in the new series to, to a certain extent, because you only have one Dalek and Dalek, there's no Dalek control base. But then what the first time you see a Dalek ship in the parting of the ways, <laughs> like sure enough in the, the background noise is dun, 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 dun. And it's just, it's just this atmospheric thing and it's such a cool moment in episode two of destiny here mm. where, and it's honestly my, my view one of the best scenes um, with the Daleks in it is when Romana's being interrogated mm. and they cut to the control room and you see the Dalek sort of advancing on her with her hands on the little globes and she's up against the wall and you just hear it. Dum, 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 dum. Mm-hmm. it's like Oh man, she's, she's in trouble now. You know, it's like,
1: it yeah, One positive thing that anyone can say about Destiny of the Daleks is that there's not a lot of music in it. It's (laughs) almost all atmospheric sound effects, which is actually pretty good. And especially coming here from Mind of Evil, which, as we said, was one of those poetry episodes where they're like, we got a synthesizer and we're going to use it really <laughs> obnoxiously in just about every scene no there's none of that it's almost all atmosphere allowing you to sort of hear the uh, the dialogue that the doctor and romana have got going on because it's a very snappy like this whatever else you say about this about the story it definitely reveals the doctor and romana 2's chemistry which was very definitely based on behind-the-scenes chemistry because, yes, we know that Tom Baker and Lala Ward ended up together, but I did not know until we researched this that they were totally doing it um, <laughs> at this point. They, they had, in fact, been totally doing it from uh, Armageddon Factor, was it, where, where Princess right, Astra yeah. appears? Um yeah. And that it was, I mean, Lala Ward has said this in interviews, like, you know, there there was sort of this cover story that he was like, oh, we need someone like her, you know, and and that sent the casting people to sort of replace Mary Tam with with Lala Ward. Uh, No, it was, she's been quite open about it. Lala Ward has like, no, we just sort of schemed to get me in the show. Like, yeah, we were, you know, we were totally an item and we were like, let, let's just, you know, keep this going by filming some Doctor Who together. And it was actually a good choice. They actually, you know, often you have these uh, couples who don't have on screen chemistry, right. but they really have it here. And, and just the, the zippy dialogue between the two of them. They, they Romana is really showing that she can be the Doctor's equal in terms of quips, you know a whole thing about stopping one of her hearts and then you know uh Tisson says uh, I think says to her, you know you had two hearts she says yeah one one for casual one for best like <laughs> oh well, just tosses off those lines like it's nothing she's great and she really is kind of a kind of a almost a female doctor in this story especially with the yeah. iconic new outfit
0: I, I'd almost almost tempted to say they go too far with it, but they don't really. I mean, this is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad we're starting off with some good positive things to say about this yeah. episode, and uh, you nailed it. I mean, th- what the best thing about it is probably this reboot of the Doctor and Romana, and I I, I really li- I like Mary Tam as well. I think that works for the key to time, uh, but it's different. It's very much like Mary Tam you know, she has some some good lines and good situational stuff. But I mean, the point of Romana 1 is to show, contrast the doctor's experience and street smarts with her book smarts, right? right? And so that's fine for a while, but after a while, it just doesn't work within the story. And it also gets repetitive for, because, you know, Romana's going to get more experienced mm. and it doesn't, uh, it just gets repetitive for the viewer, right? So like, give us something fresh. So here they kind of are able to, Not just sort of reboot, but reboot and upgrade uh, in a believable way. Because it's hard to get a companion just sort of situationally who can be the Doctor's equal. But we already have a Time Lord uh, or a Time Lady, if you will, in the TARDIS. You just need to recast and rewrite a little bit. And you're going along with it. And i got to say, I I don't know. I've I've written my research on this, uh, on the costume. I'm not sure if it was Lala Ward's idea or the costume designer's idea, but great idea yeah. like to have it modeled after the do- the Doctor's outfit, but very sort of noticeably different with the colors and style, and it really works for her. I mean, it's just yeah, that, smart, that pink coat, that pink coat, that wife's scarf that was
1: absolutely iconic. Uh, on Baker's side, I believe this is the second of the uh, of of his three. Uh, sort of outfit changes like it's a much more hierarchical kind of version of this uh iconic scarf and hat but it just looks like you put the two of them together with the tardis and canine in those outfits job done people are going to watch like this is yeah. one of those like you know iconic for the entire nation kind of outfits so what? i do sense uh a discussion about romana's regenerations hoving interview because we we cannot obviously discuss it without that um but before we do that i feel like we should set the stage uh because even, even i didn't know before i came to this research like i knew that douglas adams was involved at this point i knew that he was a script editor i did not know that he basically wrote all of this from a terry nation uh basically just outline of a story (laughs) uh terry nation of course famous for kind of phoning (laughs) it in (laughs) creating the daleks in the 60s phoning it in in the 70s um yeah and he certainly does that here this is terry nation's last official story for doctor who um and it's not even really that because it's barely it's barely him like he hated a lot of what ended up on the screen via
0: douglas adams um yeah, totally. so, yeah, I mean, it so, makes you wonder a little bit like how much Genesis was uh, sort of filled in. I mean, it looks like mm-hmm. you really tried with Genesis and didn't try so much here. I mean, at this point, uh, I'm not sure when Blake 7 started, but he's Before doing that. Blake 7. Yeah. yeah, but it was mm-hmm. between Genesis and Destiny, right? Yes, so, yes. So in other words, like. He's he's always had a bit of a fraught relationship with Doctor Who because he wanted to do the Daleks on their own or use them in other properties. I think there was even some discussion of him using them on Blake Seven right before this.
1: Yeah, there um, was. And by the way, Blake Seven started in 1978. So yes, we are we are full, fully in the thick of it here.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like he has this he owned the Daleks, but like as I've said before, the Daleks are Totally useless without Doctor Who. So it's kind of like he was in this frustrating place of having this very valuable property, but it was really only valuable in one place. And again, he was obviously uh, trying to be smart, a smart businessman about it. He was doing other things um, and probably getting a, a, older in his career too, thinking, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's consciously thinking he could just coast, but I do feel like he probably <laughs> was like, well, I'll just give them some stuff and they can do whatever they want with it. Right. Um, and not really that married to the work itself, you know, um, and, and Douglas Adams, you know, stepped up to fill in the gaps as the new script editor, which again, that's his job. Um, but it is like, I think he's kind of figuring out what he wants to do with Dr. Yeah. Who yeah. here. And there's yeah. the tonally, I wouldn't say it's bad at all. It's just it, it what is on paper in terms of the outline of the story, the structure of it. And, what comes out in terms of the script, I think well, a lot of the problems here come out. It's it's just a weird tasting combination because it's yes, like, the lines are very humorous. There's humorous situations, but there's also like we're supposed to take the Daleks seriously even when the script doesn't.
1: Yeah, we are, and it's it's just such a weird combination. Definitely not a thing you'd have today. Uh, we talked a lot about RTD and Moffat sort of being the Beatles of Doctor Who, right? They, they when they when they work together, like they they cancel out a lot of each other's worst tendencies, and some you know when they work together, we get absolute bangers like like Silence in the Library, like Blink. You know that that is some of the best of Doctor Who has been them working together. I I would love an alternate timeline where Terry Nation and Douglas Adams are kind of like different writers and they're not so sort of bullheaded as they both were uh and could actually work together because i think that the sort of the dark post-apocalyptic atmosphere that terry nation is always going for mm-hmm. uh, not just in this but in his show survivors um you know he, he really loved that post-apocalyptic thing he definitely wanted to warn us all about it um and uh, you know, with with Douglas Adams' more lighthearted sensibility, like that could have balanced out very nicely. And if Terry Nation had more association with Doctor Who and interest in Doctor Who, I think he might have helped cancel out some of the more comedic elements that right. that Douglas Adams gets into here. But let's let's get into that because I. I'm I'm a huge, huge Douglas Adams fan. He's one of my uh, heroes. I got to interview him in 2001 before he died. That was oh wow you know, one one of That's one like of right the before he died. Yes, yeah, it was. It was like a few months before. It was very sad. I was interviewing about about the Palm Seven, uh, if you remember that, and about his plans for H two G two. Uh, you know, on new, new devices like the smart, uh, of seven, I don't think we were using the word smartphone yet, but like how my hitchhiker's guide, like that was. Right. So I know all about his life and Korea and like how this slots in. It's, it's kind of weird. So he was like, you know, 1978, his career takes off. He is simultaneously, uh, you know, given the script editor role on Dr. Who based largely on the pirate planet. um, right. You know, like it just—he <laughs> just happened to be like he was a kid from Cambridge, just sort of came down and started working for Graham Chapman uh, and and the Pythons. Uh, you know, Graham Chapman was was getting a little too drunk at the time, and uh, they couldn't really do good work. So he starts looking around for other stuff to do. He'd always been interested in science fiction, so you know, and and he he actually did doctor who stories at school as a kid like he too did doctor who fanfic nah, nah, um, like yourself yeah it was, it was indeed it. indeed and uh, mine mind based on this uh, so you know the the circle is complete but he so he comes along and obviously pirate planet's kind of a bit more of a comedy version he is simultaneously writing hitchhiker's guide like that this is all of the stuff that we think about when we think Hitchhiker's Guide, Restaurant at the End of the Universe, the number 42, you know, Deep Thought and Life of the Universe, and everything, all of that stuff, uh, Destruction of Earth by the Vogons, all of that comes in the same era that he is script editing Doctor Hit, like, oh, he's about right. to start script editing it. Like, he's, you know, pulled in so many directions at once, and he's clearly got the fire, that sort of Promethean fire of creativity is flowing through his fingers. And he is... What is he doing? He's sort of investigating every single science fiction trope and turning it around, stretching it out, pulling it and shaking it and getting the comedy out of it, which is very much the style of Hitchhikers. And so it's sort of not surprising that he would do that with Doctor Who as well without sort of necessarily the, um, respect for canon <laughs> that, that, we, that we would have today you know
0: and i feel like they're they're probably giving him and i'm thinking of tom baker here specifically mm. like more leeway on his first story as script editor than he probably should have gotten right and, yeah but i i don't know what tom baker ultimately thinks of douglas adams but my sense is from this story like he was loving it like yeah the, the, the lines that hit the humorous ones that i mean baker is there at the top of his game to deliver them like even just that first bit like oh look rocks like yeah. <laughs> it's such a douglas adams bit i mean there's all this stuff you know like on, later on i feel like davros is the straight man yeah to the doctor's co- comedy and they're this comedy duo and he's like offering him jelly babies and davros is slapping the way i mean that's such a great moment i mean it's it's there's these funny little visual gags and then with the yes. book and you know, he's got the beginning of the unit. I was a little forced I'll admit, but um, like guy got it wrong on the first line. It was, that was like, okay, dude. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think this again, speaking, sticking with some of the positive stuff. I think Tom, Tom Baker is doing, doing an amazing job here probably because he's super into the role at this point. Like he's six years oh, This is like a sixth season. He obviously knows what he's doing um and he's got this new relationship with lala ward got her on the show mm-hmm, he's getting mm-hmm. fed the best lines um he's, he's by the, the, the hottest young
1: yeah the hottest young scriptwriter in in britain is is writing his lines and yeah he must feel great which is sort of weird because baker of course would famously kind of uh berate anyone on set who didn't take this seriously mm. And like, you know, he was like, you know, there are kids out there, they take it super seriously, we've got to be totally into this. Like, even if it's wobbly and the dialects are falling to pieces, whatever, you know, we just let's let's really do it like it's real.
0: Yeah. Sell it.
1: Which is not what Douglas Adams is doing here. Like he's yeah. walked over the comedy line and this does, you know, my first note on Destiny of the Daleks is it's the story that tackles the question, how much comedy in Doctor Who is too much comedy? And, and this is it. This is over the line. Right. Canine with laryngitis, too much comedy. The multiple regenerations, too much comedy. You know, Romana casually stopping her heart. Uh, the the taunting of the Daleks. This is something oh, Terry Nation yeah. painted. Taunting of the Daleks for not being able to get up the shaft.
0: Right, rightfully hated. I'll say yes. The nation's yeah. character.
1: He is, and this is very much Douglas Adams, the clever undergraduate, being a bit too clever. I've I've sort of made a note here, comparing it to a clever kid in a school play who's like ad-libbing lines. That's just like tearing down the fourth wall, pointing out that the sets are cheap and the villains aren't scary, right. and he's kind of. You know, you couldn't do this today. It's definitely a sign of how far Doctor Who has come and how far the world has come and the culture has come. That, you know, you definitely couldn't do this now, but you could in 1979 when the the show was just a mere 16 years old. It could be a bit kind of anarchic and you could play around with canon and give Romana multiple regenerations, you know? Um, Right, right. right. But let's, yeah, let's zero in on that because we've got to we got to handle the Romana regenerations. Now, when I was a kid, it just, I didn't even know that this was uh, affecting. I was just like, this is, it's just like a fever dream or a comedy sketch or something. And like, you're watching it as a kid, like what is going on? Like Romana, multiple versions of her. What, she's tall now? She's, she's an opera singer now. Um, it right. definitely kind of almost Walks up to the line of sexuality that that uh, that Doctor oh, yeah. Who never really crossed.
0: Yeah, well, especially um, when that thing, like the opera singer type yes. woman comes out and she's got this sort of bikini top. It looks like and, mm-hmm. um, it's just the <laughs> and again. It's kind of breaking the fourth wall where Tom Baker's like, "No, thank you.
1: you know, like, no, thank you. you not you've today."
0: <laughs> you walked into Doctor Who. That's not that's yeah. not this show. You know, <laughs> it's basically kind of what he's saying. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's this weird comedy bit to make something of getting Lala Ward as uh Romana and trying to sort of explain it away in a way that's a little bit interesting, which it kind of does. But mm. now we have to reconcile this with what we know about regeneration. Right. right. And so um here's the thing. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just It's like essentially like a controlled regeneration, you know, like she's not regenerating because of intense bodily harm or something like she's basically doing this thing where she picks out her body and there's some precedent for this, believe it or not. So if you look at the war games, like the end of the war games, Mm -hmm. when the the time lords talk about like, hey, you, you go ahead and pick your appearance. And they show him these terrible drawings. Which yes. Was the absolute worst. And then Troughton's like, no, no, no. But there's a point where he says, I do have the right to determine what I look like. He actually asserts mm-hmm. it as a right. And it makes, if you think about this, and if you want to sort of throw some headcanon at this, well, maybe when most Time Lord regenerations are more like this one, this Romana regeneration, where you just kind of, there's sort of a limit to how far you want, typically go with the body you regenerate and then, but you pick your body and maybe even in this sort of early phase of the regeneration, if it's planned, you can, you can kind of do it in this sort of casual way where you can actually look at your body on yourself the same way we try on clothes and mm-hmm. Macy's or whatever, and just look at it in the mirror and then just settle on one once you've activated the energy. Whereas in the doctor's case, and most of the regenerations that we've seen, not just the doctors on screen are like emergency regenerations you know, there's severe bodily harm involved. So there, maybe these that we've seen are more the exception in time, Lord society where, you know, if you, if it's an emergency and this has happened to you, then there isn't a selection process. You just have to go with whatever, you know, the dice roll is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, that's kind of how I'm sort of explaining this in my head, you know.
1: Like, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I uh, you're you right about the war games. I was just thinking about the fact that we have, let's let's say you're a Doctor Who fan in 1979. What have you seen on screen up till this point? Only two regenerations, right? Right. One of uh, one of them, obviously, tenth planet, uh, power of the Daleks. We've we've dealt with both sides of that. Um, you know, just a very simple fade to white face change. Um, Really, the only real regeneration we've seen is Pertwee to Baker, in which, you know, the Brigadier the Hipster says, here we go again, like he's seen one before. Um,
0: Technically, you could say in Planet of the Spiders there's another regeneration you witness where um canpo regenerates into the Chochi, right? Ah, but yes. Anyway, well we'll haven't
1: there. haven't seen it
0: yet, but we'll get there.
1: But yeah, again, so we, we've seen sort of different and this is definitely perhaps Romano's more of a war game style. Which is interesting because there has been so much discussion over this over the years. You know uh people have looked back from the Christmas invasion, the way that Doctor was able to grow a new hand in that, say that, you know, in your mm. early part of your regeneration you're particularly malleable. Um, and, uh, or maybe she is, uh, issuing a projection of what she could look like, like it's some sort of holographic thing. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a short story with something, it's called something like the witch in the wardrobe, uh, where the, the TARDIS is jealous of her, uh, Romana locks her in a cupboard and, and the destiny of the Daleks Romana is not actually Romana. It's just a TARDIS projection, oh. which is that doesn't that you have to explain oh, so yeah. much there you know that that doesn't sound bold, great
0: bold, <laughs> bold <laughs> idea
1: but yeah ultimately we have to just see it like you can you can canon this to death and you have to just say it as it was douglas adams doing a joke and the joke right. is ultimately at the doctor's expense because the doctor only accepts the version of Romana that is wearing his costume so it's sort of the joke is the doctor is an egoist um <laughs>
0: And then, of course, she Basically. sort of ends up in a version of his costume. So, Yeah. 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 To make then, a joke, get out of those ridiculous clothes, you know? So.
1: Yeah. And it's sort of a joke. Like, you can change your body as easily as you change your clothes. And it's tailoring. Like, I'll, I'll have the arms taken in or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you get the joke. However, you want to headcount it, just remember that that's not what anyone was doing at the time. It was sort of just, it was just okay. It was just, this was a malleable show. At the time, and and it was not sort of, you know, originally divine. But yeah, you know, it, it is definitely an, uh, a little hop-off point to, to discuss regeneration. I will just bring it up once again. I may have discussed this once or twice, this notion that the Doctor's regenerations change after the sisterhood of Khan, after he turns from uh, Paul McGann to John Hurt. Right. You know, that's when, that's when you get the fire in the regenerations. That's when the Doctor starts to lose his uh, no-claims bonus on his TARDIS insurance by messing up the TARDIS with the pillars of fire every time, um, mm. you know, so regeneration itself can change the different forms of it. We haven't seen at all. We've definitely seen a clue in hell bent somewhere else. We've been that, uh, it is different for time Lord women and, uh, the, the, the sort of the man flu that the doctor gets <laughs> from Castrovalva onwards, you know, again, a change from Castrovalva onwards. Um, you know, is is not necessarily the norm. And it might sort of account for why, A, why he's holding on to his William Martinel body for so long. Because uh, he's a bit of an egoist there. And yeah, I t- it's like the idea that the Doctor is kind of partly shunned from polite Time Lord society because he has such a problem with regeneration. <laughs> uh, like, he can't just... Choose his new face too easily.
0: Until- constantly taking naps after, <laughs> like yeah, deteriorates, and he's just in bed, or he's in a zero cabinet, or. It's just like, you know, you just kind of, you know, you change your body and you're back in the party five minutes later. I mean, that's that's how it's usually done, I guess.
1: I love the idea that, like, somewhere in the TARDIS, there's just an unopened bottle of pills that the doctor was prescribed for his regeneration problems. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, hey, speaking of pills. Yes, radiation. <laughs> so, talk a little bit about this. So it's funny, like, there's a lot of firsts and last for this episode. and And it's like, I believe the last episode to refer to the – Scarrow is a basically a radiation-torn wasteland, even though it's kind mm. of um, clearly like a wasteland of some kind in, in subsequent episodes it's seen. Mm. The radiation on Scarrow has always been an issue. Yeah, We see it an issue in the Daleks. It's an issue in Genesis of the Daleks, and it's an issue here until it isn't. Basically, about two episodes in, they basically <laughs> just forget about the radiation. They never explain how the slaves can be there for so long uh, i don't yeah. know if they're there that long i mean it's funny like tyson who is the slave that they sort of befriend i i was calling him orange rope guy at the beginning like he <laughs> <this> orange <laughs> rope around his shoulder for no reason but he um he says he's a slave of the dalek for two years at hmm. some point and I, they've been mining here for two years i kind of thought but it's maybe he means he's been in like a dalek slave ship or slave colony because they sort of mention one at some point but i mean i'm just like that's a pretty long life expectancy as a a dalek slave i gotta say like especially since they don't really seem to properly feed their slaves that well or or care about their well-being in the slightest um which is certainly in keeping with what dalek society would be but i i I imagine after this episode because he survives he goes on to write uh, some epic novella or whatever like two years a dalek slave <laughs> a, yes a sensation in the 40th century or wherever whenever this is Wow. Well, anyway the,
1: the yes the book radi- that led directly yeah. to the time war um <laughs> people realize the daleks have to be stopped and the Gallifreyans stepped in um yeah yeah the radiation thing is weird just just to catch everyone up you haven't seen it recently so remind you know the doctor sets a timer for him okay. and to take their radiation pills um and then it's just sort of forgotten.
0: Well then um, he, he hoards all the pills. What? Yeah. Like it's yeah. like, why not give Romana some? Also, he says it, it goes off at one point, and he's when he's buried and he's like, oh, I gotta right. to remember to give Romana her pills. And he he never does, <laughs> That's yep. why, unless it happens off screen. And and then again, it's just it's all forgotten about. I mean, they sort of imply that the prisoners are dying of radiation sickness. Um, but I mean, again, how long have they been there? It seems like the Daleks have been there a while, uh, trying to mine this thing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's very unclear, uh, because the Daleks like bust out of their own mine or their yeah. own shaft or their own. I mean, it's, it's such a weird cliffhanger to episode one. And were you thrown by the way, just to sort of quickly transition that the studio lights. Yes. Oh, they're so clearly in the shot, like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, it really takes you out of like there's zero attempt whatsoever like there's, there's literally <laughs> there's a no shot attempt where to it's dress not, them up on yeah. the side it's mm-hmm. not like there's there's a scene where it's like literally in front of mary tam's face or sorry uh Lala ward's face yes and you're just and wait a minute like who put those lights there are, are we are we <laughs> meant as viewers to think that or was it literally a mistake because it's a pretty huge mistake it's all staged.
1: It's all staged. Yeah. The, the, uh, the conspiracy theorists are going to have a fine one with this. It was clearly supposed that like the doctor and the Daleks are in cahoots. It was all set up. It was all, yeah, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. But I will say, just while we're on the subject of the prisoners and radiation poisoning, that perhaps no one, including the Daleks, cares less about the prisoners' welfare than the prisoners themselves. Because no. these these are sort of renowned as some of the most uh, just basic yeah. extras, worst extras in Doctor Who history. When they get exterminated, they they fall over without like even trying to chew a little bit of the scenery. Um, it's just like that. You know, there's nothing in their desk. It's just no. like,
0: and, oh. And I could kind of understand the first one kind of like, okay, yeah. I'll get up and stand here. What are you going to do? And then they get zapped. The second one though, like, (laughs) wouldn't the second one? I'm, 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 there's a door over there. uh, Maybe I can make it. You know, like, are you really just going to stand there? Like, you know, you're going to just get shot. Like
1: come on right and none of them talk none of them have a speaking role except right. tyson he's he's nominated to well, speak no, for all the true. prisoners there's
0: there's the two prisoners you talk to oh Anna, yeah as she's in saying. episode one yeah i remember this because one of them um is played by an actor they have some lines too yeah david um, david yip who became the chinese yeah.
1: detective yeah yeah very recognizable yeah. face on british tv yeah
0: he's a very he was in the making of documentary of this um uh. Um, he gets a couple lines. I think he talks about the ship, and so uh, there's there's a little bit of color there. Uh, but again, like yeah, it, you you also sort of get the sense. And again, it's Doctor Who, so you could give it a wide wide leeway for this. They're they're working in what looks like a mine, you know, just clearing rocks. Whereas most of the Dalek scenes are in a shaft or like a you know base, like it's the city, right? And if you're looking for davros is that's the point like why are you wasting time moving rocks around in this quarry just outside like you know it's it's i know they're they're you're limited by your sets and your location and what you're going to do but it just like it's one of those scenes where the visuals are just so incongruent that you're Mm -hmm. just like wait a minute what, what are they even doing here
1: well, you know, unions are very powerful in Britain in the, in the 70s. So I'm sure a lot of people just thought, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just prisoner union. Like, they're, they're just being given busy work. Uh, they just have to have a certain amount of hours per day. And like, that's that's clearly what's going on here. Um, but speaking of color, speaking of David Yip and Chinese detective and all of that, this has to be, I mean, you know, well, again, we're in the, the vein of saying nice things about Destiny of the Daleks. Uh, this is kind of years ahead of its time in terms of how diverse uh the the cast of extras is like the movellons are almost all uh people of color um mm-hmm. sure. which is interesting or, not or, not or women yes or women and, and it's not even mentioned it's just sort of a thing uh, which is sort of what it makes it uh, so kind of disappointing when it's revealed mm-hmm. uh spoiler alert that the movellons are also robots um but yeah, you know, that that's kind of uh, a thing with it. Like if you just treat Destiny of the Daleks visually, it's it's a very interesting uh, piece of Doctor Who. It just sort of, you know, one, one fascinating visual bleeding into another. Um, and yeah, but that fourth wall breaking with the lighting uh, positioned yeah. perfectly with the Daleks are going to break out. It just, yeah, it, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking in this. And that was definitely a,
0: of a piece with the script. Yeah. I would say visually, like I, you know we make fun of Dr Who quarries. these are I, mm. some of the better quarries I got to say, like yeah. there are some interesting rocks for certainly in that I think it's a, a quarry they found on the coastline, yeah, I think it's the one in Dorset, the Dorset was more the sand pit where the Mavellan <laughs> ship was yeah um,
1: but there's, the, there's one with the that the uh, the bits of housing like the the roof, the, the, yeah. the things that are clearly nineteenth century buildings.
0: Yeah, the, and and with the sort of um, very rigidly cut or or the the stone formations there are just just kind of cool looking. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's man made. I don't think it is, but it's very cool. Um, so so yeah, definitely points for that. The maven's kind of look nuts. I got to say, mm-hmm. uh, like I don't know if it entirely works. They're very distinctive. Uh, but I think there's a reason they're only mentioned after this episode and never really shown again. I was going the pilot, very briefly, <laughs> the, pilot, yeah. in the pilot with mm-hmm. um, Capaldi and, and Bill. Um, but like uh, my kids watch this with me. Uh, I think they kind of either laughed or were very perplexed when you first see them on screen, which is okay. Like I, I think the contrast that they have this very clean ship and very clean look to the very sort of worn, corridors of the dalek city and the not so great looking daleks um kind of works but at the same time it's all they're, they're, i found them to be kind of bland and particularly the one Mavellan who sort of gets buried and then they see her later and we're supposed to be surprised by that because she's a robot and obviously she wasn't really hurt oh yeah um, and she, she was a
1: famous uh, actor in england at the time yeah
0: yeah, um, I remember uh, her name was uh, I think Suzanne Danielle. Yes, uh, that's correct. Nijella. And but I, I uh, to be honest, they, because of the wigs, because of their similar look, I was like, wait, is, is she the same one? I can't even really remember. Like it's not, it wasn't shocking to me because uh, she just wasn't that distinctive. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of it worked, some of it didn't. My kids thought the hair. My, my daughter actually. They look, thought the braids looked a little mop like, which I'm like, yeah, you yes. said that I couldn't unsee it. You know, it's like yep. they were just because it's so white, right? They they got this white dangling braids from their heads for no reason. Like, Why are you doing that as a robotic race? I guess you're trying to, you're obviously trying to fool people into thinking you're living beings. But yeah. it's
1: interesting, isn't it? Watching it as an adult. Um, uh, and I guess as, as a kid, all these years later, but also watching as an adult, I don't know if you flash back on uh, uh, as I did, uh, Don Cheadle in Boogie Nights. Um, oh. <laughs> he, uh, you know, his his character Buck in 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 Boogie Nights is kind of constantly trying new costumes, and his costume for like New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty, is. Basically, a mummelen. It's <laughs> basically that kind of kind of style. It's like proto Egyptian. It's like Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's you know, it has that kind of cool seventies. Uh, and he's just sort of sitting there, slumped at the party, looking absolutely miserable in this costume that clearly is not working for him. Um, so I had to go back and take a look at that. They're not actually that similar, but it's definitely in the same. There was definitely this period of the seventies where that was just a thing that kind of looked cool and it went along with the disco vibe and you know the kind of needed, the funk and soul. One and,
0: of those cones at the end of his hand. You need like a little <laughs> pink cone that lights up. Yeah.
1: That's <laughs> yes. Of, like, that's that's right. I you know, yeah, given that his his character does uh gets involved in a gun incident later on. I'm spoiling boogie nights now. I didn't think I'd be doing <laughs> that on this podcast. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it really is. It's it's just so, looks so beautiful from costume design aspect. And, you know, they were definitely promoting the series. There are a lot of pictures you can find with them all sort of waving, uh, you know, the, the new Romana outfit, the Movellan outfit. Um, it definitely brought in the viewers. It definitely felt Doctor Who feel like not old and creaky, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though it kind of clearly is with falling apart daleks at this point uh you know it just it's it's such a contrast of styles um but yeah i wish the more had had more personality i wish they weren't being played as robots um also I,
0: the I, worst design robots in the universe i yeah. mean like i mean i guess gotta go right to it like the <laughs> yep. batteries like do it you slip the battery out of their belt. And it's <laughs> it's okay, and they just keep doing this. And and when you pull it out, like they lose power so quickly, and they start doing like essentially a ballet dance, as my mm. daughter described it. And after the first time or two, it just becomes so comical, like yep. you're just kind of like, oh here comes the ballet, <laughs> and they just got they start sort of twirling around, and they're playing keep away with the batteries um again how much humor is too much this is too much but it's also just makes zero logical sense. like i mean why would you design yourselves a with an external battery at all (laughs) to like if you have if you have to have an external battery like why not put like a little lock on there or something or something that makes it a little bit difficult to get that loose and it's not even hot swappable Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You've got zero backup power built in. Like who designed these robots? And I got to say, like I have to headcanon this because I do that as a... Mm-hmm. Of course. Of it's course. like, okay, well, what, what are the origins of the Mavellans, which have never been ever explored and, and no one asked for it, but here we go. I, I think they are they are intentionally designed very cheaply, very badly by some race in the distant past. And they were essentially the lowest of the low worker class robots that there was it just wasn't worth investing in a new design because all they did was menial tasks the problem is they went sentient and because they were doing the menial tasks they were the you know the revolution of this society and destroyed all the people and all the other robots and so they just you know went on went on from there and became this big galactic force as these menial worker robots and never no one ever because uh, th- they have no creative thought they've never thought to redesign themselves
1: yeah and it's unfortunate because they should be a lot smarter than they are right. i mean just it, it's unfortunate that the first sort of you know race of uh like people of color that, that we've seen in doctor who like this is kind of just a little too robotic a little too basic mm-hmm. like they're not you know, so so the whole idea of this is like two two quote unquote robot races face off against each other and they can't break the deadlock. Yeah. Um, which first of all, yes, let's just acknowledge right at the start that Daleks are not robots. They are uh we've as we've seen, you know, they are designed to be emotional beings. They right. they their lives are hell, they are in there you know, just little uh, genetic balls of hate.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. So- hate is the emotion that, that defines them.
1: Exactly. And we've seen from Clara being inside a Dalek, like no matter what emotion you try to express, it comes out as hate. Um So, yeah, that's not the Daleks. So I don't know. And, and supposedly this was, Douglas Adams was telling Terry Nation about an Isaac Asimov story. Which feels like that, that's like a, a name dropping situation right there. But um, supposedly there was an Isaac Asimov story, but nobody's ever been able to find. Nobody knows what he was talking about about two robot armies facing off against each other
0: um, and that being is, unable and to never, do it and never yeah. shot fired because yeah they're both instantly able to react to whatever move the other side <laughs> makes. Yeah, yeah. I guess a slightly interesting thought exercise. Mm. um and would have been perhaps something better to explore without the Daleks right because that's one of the worst things this episode does as you've sort of identified which is that well it's it basically demotes the Daleks to essentially a race of robots and so many characters say it like the doctor Mm. uh Davros himself and it's it's just wrong you know and unfortunately you know this is a canon a canon story and we've had to reconcile it with the with various things i will say the one good thing to come out of that um is uh, uh something later in remembrance of the daleks mm. where they have the dalek battle computer but to give it creativity because there's you know they're very dependent on logic this is what the doctor says obviously playing off this this episode um they used the little girl and plug mm-hmm. her into the battle computer, which, again, is is this horrific, obscene thing to do. But, yeah. you know, and but a very cool Doctor Who thing to do because it makes the Daleks into these terrible baddies. And it's a visceral thing for kids watching <laughs> to think they could be like captured by Daleks and plugged into a comp- battle computer to do terrible, terrible things uh, using their creativity, which I thought, yeah. okay, that's cool. That's a smart <laughs> thing to do.
1: And, and here it just sort of devolves into a game of Rochambeau or rock, paper, scissors, right. um, which the doctor is trying to use to teach these robots of how introducing the random human element uh, is, is how you defeat, you know, the, this battle computer standoff situation, which is um, not true. Well, uh, or, or rather, okay. So, time time to jump into Chris's brief history corner here on the game known as Rock Paper Scissors or Rochambeau. Nobody knows why it's called Rochambeau, by the way. You know, it's supposedly you know revolutionary French war uh, revolutionary war general was called Rochambeau, but you know uh, all of the links connecting him are are myth. Like it may be in a translation or a uh, bastardization of a translation. Anyway, it goes all the way back to ancient China uh, to the, uh, second century, uh, BC, I think is, is the first mention of it. Uh, it was very popular in Japan. It might've been from Japan that it kind of spread to the U S uh, but like this game goes way back and, uh, it is perhaps one of the best known games in the world. And we've been programming Uh, computers and robots to win Rochambeau uh, for, for years. Uh, Like there was uh, you know, there's been a contest for programming it, programming strategies of like, you know, you, you, and and you can do this, right. You know, it it sort of makes more sense to us now in 1979 that you could sort of kind of have a, a computer that watches your moves, figures out your psychology and your strategy Um, But in 2012, um, Tokyo-based researchers created a robot hand. This is very appropriate for this episode. A robot hand that can play rock, paper, scissors with a 100% win rate against a human.
0: No way.
1: Yes, 100%. And how they do it is high-speed cameras. Yeah, I think uh, something like that. Yes, yeah, and and this has always been a thing at the back of my mind with rock paper scissors. Is like it's a weird game because like if you just slightly delay your decision, mm-hmm. you know, as you as you're doing the thing with your fist and you pound, you, if you too. watch yeah. your opponent, like you could see if they're going into a scissors kind right. of formation or a paper formation, or a rock. Like, you can kind of tell, like, if your brain is fast enough. Um,
0: but yeah, that if, is how... If ha- you're the flash, you always yeah. win. <laughs> exactly. Computers are the flash, because yes. like they can always, you know, their, their their time is much more compressed. And this is exactly what I sort of thought in the two Mavelins when they start playing the game against each other, and they always tie. That was mm. my brain going, exactly, like, this is actually not... Even this time, the first time I watched it, I was thinking this that oh they're robots, and they 're just reacting to the micro movements of the other person, and they just keep coming out the same thing, and yeah. you know it 's always a tie, but if that 's the case, the doctor should always lose or yeah. should always lose against them,
1: yeah, yeah, so it's not uh it's such a you know victory for for human randomness and logic as it, as it seems yeah of course robots would be able to see out of time and okay maybe we didn't know that in 1979 that we would had robots with advanced cameras they'd be able to slow it down fair enough but also um other programs have discovered that being truly truly random uh simulating randomness which is entirely appropriate for this show (laughs) this very show is the only doctor who podcast that can talk about this with any sort of authority because we have atmospheric randomness every week we know that a computer could use random.org uh you know certainly the movellans could have had more than enough uh atmosphere to use it um Yeah. So, you know, they they should have been undefeated against the doctor for that reason, because if you are truly random in rock, paper, scissors, that that is the only way to avoid complete defeat. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, because you don't have any sort of pattern of behavior to fall back on, whereas humans do. Humans are more likely. There've been studies about this even in the 2010s. Uh, Like humans are more likely to Choose like if they've lost two games of rock paper scissors in a row, they're more likely to switch to another thing. Like there's all of these rules that you can tell about human behavior. It's actually our brains that are the weak ones in this game.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bad it's it's a bad analogy you picked there, doctor. Um, so it doesn't really work. It's sort of like the point they're trying to make. You, you get it, but I do think the better scene that explores this is at the end, where the Doctor does the elephant logic with Nellie's an elephant, mm-hmm. the elephants are pink, and the do- Davros kind of kind of agrees with them. But then it's like you know what a human would say to that: well, elephants aren't pink. And you, ha- in other words, you need to go beyond the rules. You have to think out of the box, mm-hmm. and that's the way to sort of defeat these ultra logical things. It's not to beat them; it literally beat them at chess because they get more advanced enough. Um, they'll they'll always beat you. It's that you got to start playing some other game to, mm. to to win the this game, uh, which you know computers confined to the box that they're in would never be able to do. So in the rock paper scissors thing, like you almost want him to like either smack like smack his arm off, which Romano <laughs> does later. <laughs> See, I, I won. No, got yeah. you. Like uh, like that's yeah. a way to win. Yeah, but you could you could sort of lose the game, but then just keep insisting that you won. Like what's he going to do? Like like, they have to do sort of things like that to mess with them. Um, and you know here here they're trying to sort of say oh computers are just bad at things which you know again 79 you could forgive it um but yeah also we hadn't yet discovered
1: pink elephants i mean that's (laughs) of course we haven't yet but this is the point in an infinite universe of course there are going to be pink elephants and doctors probably encountered pink elephants on his journey so that was kind of a bad analogy in itself Mm -hmm. um you know davros probably seen pink elephants poor guy Mm. uh <laughs> when
0: he was a kid, i'm sure he was coloring them in his uh, you know college coloring books um <laughs> speaking of that hey isn't anyone ever going to ask what happened to the thals is anyone ever going to ask that because <laughs> nope. you know the daleks left like i'm not going to go into a whole history of the daleks here i mean they left scarrow for a while fine they come back fine um so are is it canon that the, the thals ever left i mean the last mention of the thals I don't know if it's mentioned, but the last time we see the Thals is Genesis of the Daleks in the entire yeah. series. And I believe they are either mentioned once more, they're probably mentioned here and there. I know they're sort of referred to obliquely, obviously, whenever you talk about the war that the Daleks are born out of, you know, the Thals sort of come <laughs> up indirectly. But, like, outside of Big Finish or novels or comics or whatever, like, the Thals are just, oh, they're. Whatever, maybe they were just all dead, or they left. I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, who, well, well, we we know that the, the Thal city was destroyed uh, by by Davros's missile in Genesis, uh, and, and we they, know
0: they, could... they, they they return though in Planet of the Daleks. There's a whole Thal expedition. Ah,
1: uh, okay, okay.
0: After okay. Genesis, clearly, and the Thals yeah. survived because the, you know the Daleks. The original episode presumably comes after Genesis, right? So that's where the Thals were. From. Yeah.
1: yes yes but uh, and then there's there's that whole thing with uh Khaleds versus whatever uh terry nation what did you originally call the uh the, the race that le- yes <laughs> <laughs> has has that been uh retroactively explained how the name changed
0: uh kind of i mean there's a few different interpretations one is simply that like that it's another name for college mm. um another is that we're talking about two different wars, which is to say the Mm. thousand year war with the collides and the thals, but there's also a neutronic war that's referred to that's over in five minutes. So there's a neutronic war later between the dolls and the thals that, that is really quick. That's just Mm. like, you know, a nuclear exchange. Um, Mm. so that's, that's another way they explain. I think there's probably some other sort of more nuanced ways to explain it, but yeah, those are the two main, Mm. um, buckets and where you where you sort of fall in doll lore <laughs> okay all right so but so we do get a
1: a, a dalek mutant here just randomly uh, crawling out the
0: wasteland do we is that what it is it's just putty he's looking at putty he says oh it's a college mutant and it's like oh my god really and i guess this is <laughs> this this seems almost like someone saw Douglas Adams script and said, you have to put in something about how they used to be organic because they're not really robots. And he kind of threw this in and then they just took whatever was in the bin (laughs) <laughs> like some, someone's you know uh, i don't know like slime that, that that their kids threw away like they just decide all right this is this is what we're going to use hey. uh douglas douglas i mean we we can't we can't
1: blame him too much he's about to give us city of death right you know his yes. uh this this his masterpiece and it and it really is like he is he is bringing almost a new who sensibility to um to, doc, to Doctor Who, like years ahead of its time. It's it's very moffat his dialogue, the, the snappiness of it, right? It does very much resonate with Moffat. Um, but it gets back to something that we talked about on the show before, especially with Chibnall in the, the context of Chibnall sort of changing what's gone before, that Doctor Who works, works best. You can be humorous with it. You can have a lot of fun with it. As long as you are being yes and, as right. long as you are building on what's gone before and not kind of wiping over what's gone before. Um, and it is kind of interesting that, that, that Douglas Adams guessed it's done to him, right? Because of the scene where the doctor is trapped and he starts reading a book by Ulon Kaluford, which huh. such a hitchhiker's throwback. I can't even, I mean, I I had memorized like the opening part of Hitchhikers where they talk about Ulan Kalufid's, you know, uh, trilogy, best-selling trilogy of books, Where God Went Wrong, some more of God's greatest mistakes, and who is this God person anyway. I remember as a kid trying to actually fill out in my head how you would pad out those three books from the titles. Um <laughs> That's, the, that's how, like, <laughs> you know, kid, like, I wasn't my head like, taking it seriously. Oh, these are real books. So he's reading Ulan Kalufid's, what is it, The Beginning of the Universe is the, uh, is the title or something? Yeah, and,
0: uh, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and he like says, so,
1: gets it wrong on the first page. Why didn't he ask someone who was there? Well, along comes Terminus, several <laughs> years later, to, to not really yes and Douglas Adams, uh, to no but him um right. with its uh, fuel leaking from a time ship theory right uh, so maybe Ulan Kaluf had got it right after all
0: yeah i mean i kind of wonder <laughs> well here's the thing the the doctor says why didn't he ask someone who was there he doesn't say he was there no you know so maybe he just knows a guy so like in other <laughs> words because you can't really reconcile this with like the doctor lies because there's nobody there when he's reading so he's, there's no mm. one to lie to so maybe a guy told him what it was, but that guy was wrong. That guy didn't know about Terminus. He was just making something <laughs> up.
1: Um, maybe crazy. that guy <laughs> was wearing some celery on his jacket and uh, <laughs> cricketing pants and, uh, you know, the Tom Baker doctor never recognized him. There you
0: go. There you go. <laughs> maybe there was a, a Davison-Baker crossover that uh, <laughs> we don't know about. I mean, it was a big yes.
1: Lost to history. Yeah, they could still do it. They could still do it. Exactly. Uh Absolutely. while they're both still alive, write it in.
0: So let's, but, uh, yeah. let's zero in a little bit on the big baddie here, uh, which of course is Davros. Yeah. And uh I got to ask you, Chris, mm-hmm. how how did it feel seeing that scene again where uh, Davros comes alive, the light comes on,
1: mm. and
0: you know, with the cliffhanger and well, how was the cliffhanger for you?
1: The cliffhanger. So I, sh- I should say, uh, as Pete knows, this was my first hiding behind the sofa moment, that particular cliffhanger. And it's one of those moments of television that I remember so clearly. I mean, of course you never remembered it exactly. Right. And in my head, what happened was the doctor and Romana and a bunch of people sort of passed through a room that has Davros in it. And it's almost like they are seeing him like he's in a museum and and in my head there was this sort of sense of like they're passing through oh oh and here's davros and don't worry it's safe he's totally dead uh then the light blinks on now it's not yeah. actually that when you watch it again right the the, the hand moves first he does his yeah. talons of win thing which is happening a lot it also happens with the movellin who gets trapped in this story and uh you know it kind of that does that whole thing with it, um, but it's yeah. I mean, it's still scary. It still brings me back to that because, as much as this Davros mask is like you know we know as fans, this is this is the same as the Michael Wisher mask from Genesis. Right. But like the you know the the new actor doesn't fit in it properly. Like they had to cut the bottom off. Like it was so trashed that apparently a cleaner threw it away. None of that mattered to me at the time. And I can barely even see it now because I just see the scariness of it, of how it was lit. Uh, I think that's not a lot of uh, it doesn't get a lot of mention in discussion of destiny and Daleks how sort of moodily lit the whole thing is down there. And those, mm. those dark scenes. So yeah, it still got me. It still gets me. It, I didn't hide behind the sofa, but yeah, yeah. How can you get more cliffhangery than the light on his head coming on? My mm-hmm. God. Oh my I'll God. Did, you, I, did your kids react to that one?
0: Yeah, they thought it was fine. I I'll definitely say like, it's, probably better than you remember i mean there's Mm. michael wisher as davros there's terry molloy who plays him after this um obviously the new series david gooderson isn't really thought of that much as as a davros but you know he he, his performance is fine it's too bad he's really impeded by that mask because i gotta say when you watch it on blu-ray which i did you really do see more than you should. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, you always have to correct, right? Like Doctor Who for the longest time was always made to be seen once and not seen again. Even by this point, I think in 79, they were starting to realize it was a franchise. They were starting to realize that maybe we shouldn't be destroying all our own tapes mm-hmm. um, by this point. But, you know, there was not the VCRs weren't super common yet. So, you know, there wasn't there wasn't really a lot of mind paid to it. Um, so it's unfortunate. I think, I think he's kind of done in a bit by the sets at the story and, and the mask, but he, again, he, he and the doctor, uh, when they're on screen together, uh, I think work really well. And that's a key part of any Dr. Davros story. Uh, yeah. they need to have good scenes together. They need to have, uh, at least a couple of moments where they talk to each other as scientists. And, uh, I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit to part of my evil plot succeeding <laughs> bits, but um, there's a bit where the Dalek. Why, why doesn't why doesn't they, why don't they just kill the Doctor at the end? Like he's there, and he's gonna like, well, I'll blow it up for you. And the Doctor's the Dalek's like, do not move, and yep. keep him in prisoner. And it's like, well, why don't you kill him? Like zap He's right there. <laughs> the Doctor's right there. He's your enemy. Just kill him. Just kill him right now. Yeah. I think it's because my explanation the Davros kind of likes the doctor. He likes having yeah. him around. And yeah. the, the the thought of going back to the Dalek battle fleet or wherever their base is now, I'm literally only having Daleks to talk to would drive <laughs> anyone nuts, you know, like <laughs> Davros, like, you know, he obviously respects the doctor as an equal or near equal to his own. I think there's a lot yes. somewhere in the Canon where it's like that. And he's like, I'm going to keep the doctor around just to chat with.
1: It is interesting, isn't it, coming to this after a master story, because there is definitely a lot of overlap between Davros and the master and the way that they treat the doctor as this intellectual sparring partner. Um, Just to close the loop on the mask, I will say that I never again, like from Davison era onwards, never again really liked the Davros mask. Mm. Like when he goes sort of like a sickly yellow from now on and like you can really see that his eyes are kind of, you know, just just missing. Whereas with this version of the mask, like his eyes are sort of, it's like a statue having eyes, like it just the, just this kind of creepy, dark, unblinking, shadowy things, and that was much scarier to me. And I've never, never liked how Dav- Davros has looked since.
0: Yeah, so God, the curves nice got go a little softer, it. and I think mm-hmm. the main point is that you brought up once or twice. Like the lighting here is just dead on. Mm-hmm. You, you all, mm-hmm. you kind of want Davros a little bit backlit. You want those. Eyebrow ridges to kind of be, you know, a bit crisper so you get those shadows in the eyes. Yeah, I I do like Terry Mollo's performance as as Davros later on, but I think the mask, it just looks a little too clown-like, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would
0: definitely agree with you. And having it in Chara really
1: makes that light pop when it comes on, you know? Um, and I, I think that's part of the success of it. And the way that sort of looks like headphones around his head. And I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we all we all kind of default to what was scary to us as kids. So <laughs> I, I may be, you know, as with all of this, I am somewhat biased uh, in, in Destiny of the Daleks' favor. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is primed Avros in many, many ways
0: as bad as bad as the mask is it's kind of at least it's not as bad as the daleks themselves i have to say because these are probably the crap crappiest looking daleks of the entire original series run um you know maybe there's something i'm not thinking of i don't think so um, Mm. because you know they've got it's been on record so one of the things about this story that I didn't know until I did the research. It's the first doctor who story. One of the first BBC productions I'm told to use a steady cam. Yes. And as everybody knows, uh, who pays any attention to how Hollywood films are made. Like the steady cam was a key innovation. It basically lets you do sweeping shots with a smooth camera shot. Obviously image stabilization was not a thing back then. So you really mm-hmm. needed um, booms and stuff like that to do it for you. And, You know, because it was a new thing then, like it was super duper expensive. And so they paid for it and then they had no money. And even though (laughs) Doctor Who always has no money, they really had no money. They could not build new Dalek props. So they had to dig them out of the BBC warehouse and they were not in good shape. And it shows, it shows. (laughs) There's only three or four that are really working. Um, they're, They're being adjusted sometimes on screen. You know, there's there's a few bits if you catch them. Luckily, I didn't the first time, but um, but the, the, there's definitely some scenes later on. Uh, it's really unfortunate. Like some of the slats are yeah. broken, and they didn't sort of do some clever angles to hide it. No, it's very clear. These are not the Daleks at their best, and it's it's just kind of sad to <laughs> to watch it now.
1: Yeah, and they, they, you know, they break through that, that so the black uh, mirror metal thing yeah. at, at the end of episode uh, That doesn't quite work. You can sort of imagine that was supposed to be a better reveal than it was. And then one of the Dalek has, like, a bit of black plastic hanging around on its eye stalk for, like, the, the next episode while they're interrogating Romana, uh, which is a bit sort of, you know, problematic. Uh, the Dalek's defeated by a little bit of plastic, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you may have to go back to Power of the Daleks and their cardboard cutout Daleks uh, to right, kind of find right. anything that's bad. It's pretty bad, and they're, they're kind of diminished in so many ways, in, in part by the doctor saying, Hey, you can't get up the shaft, taunting them about that, um, and then also by just defeating them by throwing his hat over an eye stalk, which,
0: God, yeah. Yes
1: iconic again iconic but but diminishes the daleks and their threat in this overall story
0: yeah i gotta say i liked i don't know if this was a conscious rebuttal of that scene um mm. probably a, a rebuttal of some other scenes but um i think about sometimes the uh cliffhanger of i think it's the cliffhanger of uh, the stolen earth where uh wilf fires a pink gun at a dalek eye stock. Yes, and it just uses some kind of vaporization, like it heats up or whatever, and just it just dissipates instantly. And he, he the Dalek, even goes out of his way to say, "My vision is not impaired." Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, you kind of like you feel like it's a correction for this scene because it's literally like you know your eye stalk kind of moves, like just move it up and down real quick to shake that <laughs> hat off. Like, can't you do that? And uh, yeah, it's just so silly. I, I mean, come on.
1: If only the Time Lords had thought of this, or maybe the Time Lords were kind of uh, like, this is why they thought the Time War was a good idea. It's like, no problem. We'll just put hats over their stalks. It's all good. See, the Doctor could do it.
0: Yeah, if I if I have to headcanon this, I don't think we have to, but if you wanted to, <laughs> you could say like, uh, "There's there's another thing that doesn't make sense in the script, which is that the Dalek ship, the nearest one apparently is six hours away. And you make a scene, well, wait a minute, didn't these, these Daleks come on a ship? Like, they're not native here. Where's their ship? They were just dropped <laughs> off? Yeah, and they got to lift. So, and if if you get the sense that if the Daleks are saying, hey, yeah, we're on a mission from the Supreme Dalek, maybe they're just talking a big game. And these yeah. are like the crappiest Daleks in the fleet. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically, so one of them came up with the idea. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we go back to Scaro and find see if Davros, Davros is still alive? And if he is, he can help us. And they're like, and nobody thinks this is going to work. Like the Supreme Daleks, just like this is ridiculous. We're not wasting any valuable resources, but we have these like you know dozen or so maintenance Daleks who are just losers <laughs> that are the worst in the fleet that we're, we we weren't even going to repair because yeah. they're so bad why don't why don't we just send that group on this super long shot that Davros <laughs> might still be alive and then if they get it great we'll send the ship if not we'll probably never hear from them <laughs>
1: Or maybe I'm thinking just as you're saying this, maybe they're like just not even Daleks. Maybe they're Dalek cosplayers Um, (laughs) inside these things, which might explain the robot thing, Um, you know, and and maybe we could have had a moment where the Daleks get blown up by the explosives at the end. Like, you know, you see inside, they're like just a a couple of, you know, (laughs) a couple of Dalek fans in there. Like, Oh, you know, well, this, this, (laughs) this plan really messed up. Um, yeah it, yeah they, they're just not scary they're not threatening and it just it ultimately the story commits one one of the greatest sins despite all the comedy in it uh the doctor who can commit which is just gets boring mm, yeah. it's just like you're not really following the story you're not invested uh certainly as an adult as a kid i think you're kind of accepting everything and and you know looking at the fever dream of it like you know this is I will always go back to the like with Destiny of the Daleks, it like is so tied into everything else that was going on in 1979, you know, Blake 7 on TV. Uh, I even thought I saw a little bit of um, the the computer orac from Blake 7. I thought was the Yeah, uh, Dalek it, the Dalek control room. room. It looks very, very similar. Uh I haven't been able to find any indication that it is the same prop, but it certainly looks like that. And it's of a piece of this this idea that like Hitchhikers and Blake 7 and uh, Star Wars was on BBC radio that like it was all just kind of Mm. wonderful new science fiction mush kind of all together and this is at the epicenter of it so I I can't hate on it too much for that reason. No
0: you can and like you say I mean the ratings sort of almost speak for themselves I mean people were Mm. to your point like there wasn't you know you have to put yourself in that time we did not there was an excitement around this this genre, but there wasn't the infinite supply that we have today of just whatever you want. And seeing the Daleks again on TV, what a thrill. Yeah. After four years in in a new adventure. And I will say, I've just hated on the Daleks there a bit, but I will say one of the better scenes is when they exterminate the prisoners, even though the prisoners are not very good. It's a good scene for them to do what Daleks should be doing, which is uh, indiscriminate killing And doing it in the doctor's face. And that's one of the better bits of dialogue, even though it's the doctor and a Dalek, the Daleks are just like, Hey, we're taking no responsibility for this. We're just going to start off in people. And this is again, very good, uh, Testament to Baker and how he understood the show. Like this is one of those moments he has to take it seriously. And he does. And he's they're, they're The Daleks and the doctor are just screaming at each other. You know, it's like, we're just going to keep killing people. No one more killing. I'm going to kill Davros. Oh, you're not going to do that. You try it. And he's like, Oh, I will. And you actually believe him. Like you like, he's, mm-hmm. he's going to do it. And Davros of course, rightly believes him. And he's just like, no, 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 this is kids. This is getting out of hand. Like yeah. just agree to what he says. So that, that scene I thought was actually very, very good um you know when, when- what do
1: you think about the, um, the the nova device stuff uh oh, yeah, yeah. the uh the romana in the tube i mean for that for, that's one of those indelible images for me and it really looks like a music video almost like she's performing inside that tube and as a fan now you might look at that and say well why not just pick up a rock and break that tube um uh, but again All that right. sort of brings us back to these fever dream aspects but
0: yeah I mean I think you could presume it's something much stronger than plexiglass like not, <laughs> not <gonna do laughs> yeah, yeah. no I know ne- I never yeah. thought that was a solution um yeah I think it's fine I mean it, it is sort of one of those images that you get in your head like it is cool right like you have this sort of piece of technology in the middle of a quarry and mm. the threat is you know very clear I will say the mavelons aren't very good at safety i feel like, like <laughs> I, I think it's it's a you You would want maybe a couple of layers to make sure this is really controlled that said they're robots so they're not, they're not worried about the atmosphere being mm. destroyed it won't affect them um but i would think that that much discharge like because they're up about it being flammable um mm. would, would have some effect on on everything (laughs) uh it sounds like it's kind of blowing up the planet in a a yeah yeah no it's a great image and i'm i'm all for it the tubes and being like that claustrophobic feeling of it either being filled with gas or water um yeah, that's a that's thing. the thing.
1: You you didn't even need it to be. You didn't even need the Nova device in this. You, it, right. It's an extraneous thing one one that you might sort of find in a Moffat script. Like, oh, you've you've gone a bit too. You know, you've thrown in one thing too many for this, Stephen. You know, it, it definitely has that feel to it. Old Who could do that too. Um, mm-hmm. And uh yeah, you, you you all you needed there was Romana, you know, out there as a as a trap to uh to lure the doctor. Um,
0: you know. Yeah, you kind of want what what that I guess what I would say that scene's missing is having her unconscious. Um you you kind of want that desperate moment of two people who mean so much to each other looking at each other through the glass, and the person who is not able to save the other person to to be just in sheer anguish, you know, mm. like so it doesn't have that level of drama that you would get with like whatever right. whether Star Trek two or I was going to say Wrath of or, Khan, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, or like <laughs> Could the have Abyss, those even, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, though those kind of scenes are can be really dramatic, but they can also be a little bit like traumatizing. Like if you think about the Abyss, I don't know if you're oh, yeah. talking about what Ed Harris is. Has the helmet on, and uh, I think it's Mary Elizabeth Mastrotonio has to drown in front of him. Uh,
1: I I don't know that one, but you've you've got me thinking of Lost though. Uh, you got me thinking that Romano should have just put a hand up against the edge of the uh, of the glass right. there and just have it written "Not Penny's boat" on her hand. <laughs> a little Lost shout out for all your fans.
0: Not Mavellin. <laughs> <laughs> Not living m- beans, Not our (laughs) robots mavellins are robots
1: yes oh but then you'd have to kill Romana off at that point which would be unfortunate
0: Uh, no no city of of death death. yeah exactly alright well there's some questions we need to answer (laughs) about this episode to find out what we know about it and certain situations around it Uh, those are of course the four questions to doomsday the first question, as ever, why did the randomizer take us here?
1: Wow. Well, I've got so many, so many uh, reasons written down for this. Uh, first of all, it is the first story with the randomizer, large and in charge. <coughs> the first story, the TARDIS is basically on shuffle and uh, and it throws out uh, what it thinks is a banger. It's like, how about going back to Scarrow Doctor? Yeah, let's take it back to 1975 with some smooth Scaro tunes. Um, and, uh, of course, it isn't a banger. But, you know, the randomizer would love this for two reasons. First of all, first, randomizer destination. Secondly, the randomizer is bound to love Rochambeau, if, if it's a game that you can win by, by being random. Um by being truly random, you can avoid defeat. Uh, it also wants to show us up because of the missing codex scandal, the fact that this was not in our original right. codex. Uh, sorry, randomizer. Okay, you got us.
0: The um, randomizer sounds a little narcissistic on this one. <laughs> it really does.
1: It's gone a little Tom Baker. Um, yeah, uh, but also uh, here are two connections to the mind of evil, particularly uh, the Nova device this uh, idea of just like we as we noted with with uh, pertree last week and then you know uh, the the missile last week and then the yeah, missiles yeah. the dinosaur and the spaceship you know the doctor just likes blowing stuff up the doctor likes it when things go boom uh, the Nova device would have been the ultimate you know, blowing stuff up on, on Scarrow. Unfortunately it was never utilized, but anyway, you know, a little, little, uh, pyromania there, potential pyromania. <laughs>
0: You're um, reminding and- me of, of the Giants. That's the other one where he was, like, yes. you know, seeing things go boom.
1: yeah. And, and the Romans. Yeah. They, yeah. they just like setting stuff on fire, which is like why he liked hanging out with Ace. Um, but yeah, the steady cam in this is sort of the equivalent of the helicopter in the Mind of Evil in terms of a thing that you spent too much money on. So you've got no budget left for the rest of the entire show. Uh, and what was the point? Did you really need that steady cam? Did you really need that helicopter?
0: Um, no, I couldn't even tell when it was used, to be honest with mm. you. Um, could you? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, uh, JNT
1: is, of course, on the production at this point, um, oh, you know, yeah. kind of looking at this and being like, oh, I can just spend money on anything. <laughs> I can make up any reason to have oh, a thing on a show. I see how this works. Um, plus, here's here's a thing we did not mention in The Mind of Evil. We did not mention the fact that, that one of the Doctor's hearts stops Oh, that's right, and, yeah. right. And the master's frantically trying to bring him back to life.
0: Um, <laughs> like and the most, <laughs> the most naff CPR I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, smacking his chest lightly. I was sitting in the chair. It's like, okay, I guess. yeah, yeah. He's like, what yeah. Gallifreyan medical science is like, but that's that's not going to cut it here for a human.
1: Yes, why why were you we not humming, staying alive, master? <laughs> uh, oh, that's right, because it hadn't come out yet. Um, yes, but no, so I think. The, the fact that Romana is able to stop one of her hearts not only shows that she's better than the Doctor, who, as far as we know, has never done this. Um, she but learned also it maybe,
0: in school. She learned <laughs> it in
1: school. Like she is so clearly ahead of the Doctor in her schooling. Well, you know, we saw like, that in State
0: of Decay as well, right? What are they teaching Gallifreyans? <laughs> teaching like baking your death. It's yeah. Cool. I mean, they're all right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Here's what to do, kids. If you ever have to do manual labor,
0: <laughs> fake your own death immediately. <laughs> Should check that curriculum in my son's middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but so I'm wondering if there's some reason that we're going to discover that the randomizer is like trying to alert us to hearts stopping. Uh, maybe it's Mm. something about the 60th anniversary that the randomizer sort of been preparing us for this year in lots of different ways. So watch this space for, for more heart stopping action, literally.
0: Oh my, I might have a theory on that for, um, when we have to spin up the randomizer Mm, anyway, in terms of why it brought us here. Yeah, I, I, caught all that i think it again the randomizer journey uh it's the first one but similar to the mind of evil i figured that the bad guys here are just not really thought through (laughs) (laughs) you know they're pretty confused um they don't really make a lot of sense there's you know all the contradictory stuff about the robots and the daleks and so yeah Hmm. i mean it's it's just kind of like not not exactly the finest hour for the bad guys in this one and that one
1: no, no, for sure, for sure. But, you know, at least the Movellans didn't turn into bad bad dragons, uh, bad dragon costumes. Uh, no,
0: one, no one threw an egg on them right at the end. So.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: All right, moving on to the second question. What if the evil plot had succeeded?
1: Okay, so... The main thing I, I wrote a shruggy down here for this because <laughs> my my only answer is did did the doc would the doctor and Davros just be forced at gunpoint basically to play rock paper scissors the entire length of the Dalek Mavellan War?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Not
1: entirely clear. What do you think?
0: Well, I guess there's two evil plots because we have two mm-hmm. space evil races, right? So right. You, you have to imagine. Um, either they do kill the Doctor at the end there, so mm. the Daleks don't get blown up, and they essentially win because they've blown up the Mavellon's ship. Right. Uh, so now Davros is back, he can reprogram their computers, the Daleks become a bigger threat, the time lore happens earlier, and perhaps the Daleks even win it. Um, so anyway, and the Doctor
1: you know, is just dead dead. The Doctor doesn't even get to c- get to be Peter Davison.
0: Right, he's just well exterminated maybe he Hmm. he's maybe he does and maybe the davros just keeps him prisoner um and so you know what chatty with davros (laughs) Uh, that's
1: about it davros would certainly love that uh but yeah so it would also like if the doctor is killed at any point before he becomes and Adric is still alive um yeah and and i guess the dinosaurs are still alive uh, yeah, you okay. get stunts this very interesting timey wimey stuff. Way more dinosaurs. Maybe, than maybe the Silurians
0: are still alive. Maybe <laughs> it's like the Silurian Empire goes out into the stars. Um, yeah. so the other one, though, of course, is that the Mavellans win. So here's where I would think maybe because it's a really bad assault when mm. the slaves try to take over the Mavellan ship, and it, 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 I mean both Dalek and Mavellan security they need to get fired. Uh, Yeah, for allowing all these uh, penetrations of their base. But uh, you have to assume that doesn't go well. The Mavellans win, and they kill the slaves. They manage to repel the Daleks, uh, possibly capture Davros or kill him, and then take the Doctor away with them because their plan was to have the Doctor reprogram their battle fleet. Mm. And so then the Mavellans win the war with the Daleks. So it's a Mavellan Time Lord Time War. Yeah, so then there you go. So then, what happens, Like the Melons really are this amazing space power. Um, maybe they end up being being these replacement Daleks. And are they better? Are they worse? I don't know. We t- don't know. T- t- yeah, tune <laughs> into t- t- that big finish. That yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the to charge.
1: The Melons fill the universe with disco. <laughs> the only man who can stop them, Doctor Disco. Oh, boom! There it is. <laughs> More disco. Speaking of Dr. Disco's companion,
0: the one Clara Oswald splintered into time at the end of The Name of the Doctor. She is intersecting with all the Doctor's lives and all of his adventures, ensuring that, of course, all of his victories stay victories. So, what is she doing here in Destiny of the Daleks? What do you think? <laughs> Where is the Clara Splinter? We have to officially say the question.
1: Oh, yes, I'm sorry. So we can...
0: <laughs> Where is the Clara Splinter? So I
1: I had a moment of revelation on this last night as I was making notes. I was like, oh, my God, could this explain the Romana regeneration? That all of those other Romanas aren't actually Romana. They are Clara or some version of Clara who is, you know, either able to shapeshift or like she's actually, actually doesn't look like Clara in all her incarnations. And there's one very tall one and one very uh, operatic uh, one uh, who's just on hand. Um, and huh. and one, yeah. And yeah. that's, it's, it's you know. It's expanding
0: our canon of Clara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that would
1: certainly, like, you can sort of imagine behind the scenes, like Romana just, one day no must no fuss the Mary Tam Romana has decided to regenerate uh, by the way we should we should briefly mention why Mary Tam was not invited back uh she she was pregnant at the time but she said that she also just wasn't asked uh, right. to participate Um Guess they just didn't think that a lady time lord needed that same level of uh, you know, actually swapping the faces to be seen, or she wanted to do it in the privacy of her own chamber. Um <laughs> so <coughs> she's already regenerated. She's just like, I know that the doctor's not going to accept this. Mm-hmm. So uh hey, hey, random ladies wandering around the corridors of the TARDIS. <coughs> can you uh can you help me here?
0: Let's let's put together a little scam. Hmm, interesting. So basically, this is a secret Romana has mm. been keeping ever since this episode. That's interesting. And but, yeah, it was yeah. not, she was just goofing around with the doctor on this whole body swap thing. Okay. It could be yeah those those could
1: be claras that that would that would definitely retroactively you know if we're using claras the plot device to <laughs> tie up any plot holes this is a huge one she can be used
0: for that uh but yeah, but yeah mine, what else? well mine was more minor i think she's basically running the radiation pill dispensary just off screen <laughs> for the slave workers because you know they're apparently fine all at the end and you know yeah. they've been treated and it's all it's all good and Somehow they've been working in the rubble there for a long time without dying of radiation sickness, so someone's yep. got to be giving them something. Yeah, yeah,
1: there's just a candy striper uh, coming in uh, okay. from our screen, and it's yes, it's Clara Oswald. She's got a little nurse uniform on. Yeah, the Daleks, uh, yeah.
0: the Daleks don't mind because it's like, well, if they, if she could keep these people working longer, then that's cool. So, boom.
1: Yep. And the uh, she's actually it's actually not just anti radiation pills. She's actually just drugging the prisoners so that they are barely even worried <laughs> when they die, or like have a very kind of low level uh, activity level. And they try to take over the mobile ship. Yeah, um, even struggle to,
0: lift a to rocks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh,
1: Clara, what are you doing?
0: All right time for the final question. The only question, the question we must answer about destiny of the Daleks. What do we think of this episode? The pull open rating system, of course has four ratings. There is the Dalek uh, aptly for a good episode of Dr. Who the Ogron, which is for a not so good episode of Dr. Who the professor hater, which is a not-so-good episode. But, hey, at least we learned something. Maybe this is an example of how not to do Doctor Who. Mm. And, of course, the Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best stories of Doctor Who. Uh, how about I go uh, first this time? Yeah, you go first. a meaningful okay. story for you. Yeah. I think it, um, it's probably, I'll just go. I have to just say, it's an Ogron. It, it, it's unfortunate. It's an Ogron didn't have to be but it, it's the confused writing you know we had talked about the whole thing with nation and uh atoms while there's there's some decent stuff in here um it, it just adds up to something that's less than the sum of its parts when you add in all the, hmm. the cheapness of it right like there's, there's too much headcanon to explain things away uh, some of the stuff you don't even want to sort of explain away it's just you're just kind of like ah, it should have been better guys I, I, I wish right. I wish I could have gone a little more um, a little higher I don't think it's it's quite a hater maybe it's a hater um, I, I think they should have known better though this is the problem like particularly <laughs> yeah. the Alex themselves
1: they should have I and, and I was thinking of giving this a hater rating for a while but I was also thinking of something we've mentioned on the show before, which is, and I've been sort of struggling to articulate this, which is that we need a rating for when a doctor Who story is just so nostalgic for you that you just don't don't have any chill, you can't you can't judge it, you cannot stand a judgment. I mean, I could sit here and tell you that this is a professor hater, but I can't, I can't. I can't hate on this i cannot hate on destiny of the daleks in any way i can't tell you it's an ogron uh i certainly can't pretend it's a dalek and even though viscount bangers daughter is in it uh, (laughs) in a lead role for the first time i cannot give it a viscount banger sorry viscount banger um the the story it just sort of is and 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 you know that plus this sort of sense of like we need a rating for nostalgia Lend me to think, like, we we need on pull to open, and and we we should only use this very sparingly. Mm -hmm. This is is like our bee stinger, you know. uh, Maybe use it once in the entire run of pull to open, or maybe use it once a year, once every hundred episodes. But I'm fully prepared to give you one of these, Pete. And here's what I suggest we call it, a fixed point in time. Fixed point in uh, time. A fixed like. point in time. It is. It just is. It's just there. Destiny of the Daleks just is. It is fixed. It's immutable. It's certain, and it is immune to judgment. Judgment just slides off it for me. Um, so it's sort of like saying it's a pass, but but I, I yeah. also like this idea of a fixed point in time. I was actually, it made me think of, of River Song. Uh, you know, at the at the beginning of uh, the wedding of River Song. Um, where she just can't shoot the doctor, right? She mm-hmm. just can't do it, even though it is a fixed point in time. And then the universe reacts to that. Now, hopefully, the randomizer is not now going to give us every story at once, um, because I've kind of broken this fixed point in time. But but I have that I have that moment of like I'm I'm standing in front of Destiny of the Daleks in an astronaut suit, and you are asking me to to point the gun you're asking me to shoot Destiny of the Darks I cannot do it it is so a piece of my childhood it inspired my first fanfic it you know I just connected to everything else that was going on in 1979 from like faulty towers to the jam to uh, 2000 ad the comic like it was all the the cultural milieu that formed me at a very young age um, so yeah I cannot touch it can't shoot it I'm so sorry it's a fixed point in time for me
0: Wow. That's huge. Yeah. We have a new rating. We have a new rating for our rating system, the fifth rating. But
1: a very, very oh, no. sparing. Uh, sparingly used rating you know only in extremis uh or even for extremis if you like uh can can you use this uh i mean Pete, what, what was your first uh doctor who story do you remember it was it was davis we've done it Dead, we've yeah. done it do you do you think you would retroactively want to give that a fixed point in time like can't
0: because we kind of no, like one anyway. on right. like i guess, yeah. Yeah, like I mean it was mm. it was good it was a good little time travel story but I get what you mean yeah. like there are definitely episodes that I won't reveal here that I don't think are defensible on many bases uh various so uh, there's they're just not good <laughs> yeah and yet I you can't. find them very watchable and I find them like you know this is uh, they can be good so we'll we'll get to those when we get to them um it's funny when you were talking there about you know, the like silential imagery of someone asking you to shoot. Uh, for some reason I went to that Hugh Grant movie with Je- Julia Roberts. Yeah. Um, Notting Hill. Where she's yeah. Like a girl standing in front of someone asking you to love uh, her, yes. her, her to love you. And it's like yeah. the Daleks is standing in front of you asking you to love it. Yes, and the two of you will be very happy together I think
1: we will yeah I mean even though it's 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 this weird thing of sort of like it's simultaneously boring and wrong and bad but also like visually uh, I just I can't get away from its iconography
0: yeah no I get that All right Wow what a landmark episode <laughs> in the pull to open Canon. Seriously. We're closing the book on Destiny of the Daleks, but with a new rating system or an enhanced <laughs> rating system and eyes yeah. forward onto where the randomizer will take us next. And that's what we're going to figure out now. All right.
1: So the randomizer, two parts. Uh, Pete has the codex in front of him. That is a spreadsheet of every doctor Who story uh, arranged uh, by uh, the, the way that we've arranged it, like, you know, we can, we can talk about this again in the future, the way that we've, you know, said that Extremis uh, is its own story, Mission to the Unknown isn't, you know, a lot, a lot of a lot of judgment calls like that. Uh, but then I have the Executor, which is random.org, which we've already mentioned uses atmospheric noise to produce true randomness, not algorithmic randomness. Uh, random.org will win Rochambeau against you all day long. <laughs> Uh, if if you were to hook it up to that. You know, I, I I ran out of time for this, but I really want to see if ChatGPT can play Rock, <laughs> Paper, Scissors um, and and whether it would beat me, but uh, maybe I'll do that by next week and report back.
0: Um, I would just say, but, don't give it access to your webcam, and then I think you'll have a better <laughs> shot. Yes. I'm, I'm just going to
1: do it below the screen. Yep. Mm. You can't even see it. Uh, all right. So you are going to give me the number of stories, Doctor Who stories that we have remaining. I will plug that into random.org and then we'll give the randomizer some challenges before I hit the generate button.
0: Sounds good. Okay, so the codex, per the codex and per the update I just gave it for Destiny of the Daleks, we now have 227 Doctor Who stories that we have not talked about on this podcast. 227. The number is fading down
1: fast. It's it's clicking down on an old LCD digital watch screen, um, uh-huh. <laughs> and and we're down there. Okay, Pete, do you have a challenge for the randomizer?
0: I, do you know, I sort of remember I had one earlier when I was talking about <laughs> it. and Now I've completely forgotten what it is. I'll give you my um,
1: challenge then. Ahead, uh, give you a chance to think about it, which is that I want it to. I want to find out what your fixed points in time are. So I'm going to say randomizer. <laughs> You know, in your in your infinite random wisdom, you know what what stories Peter is holding in his head when he's thinking about his own fixed points in time, his own stories he cannot shoot uh, <laughs> up by the shores of Lake Silencio. So take us to one of those, whatever that
0: is. All right, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I I gotta say, I think we're not we're not uh, even close to Quarry Bingo. <laughs> but, <laughs> I want to start filling that in. So let's let's yeah. do some serious quarry action. This was this was this re, really high bar for quarries. This one, so
1: lot of quarry in this. You know, but you're saying you want you want a story where the amount of time spent in a quarry is even higher.
0: I want maximum quarry, as as, ho- as high as you can quarry. possibly give it. And <laughs> I know that this is confined. Make, basically, making I'm going to give us classic right. It's going to be classic series because that you know it got to be. be fewer fewer quarries later and we already did waters of mars so yeah quarry is up
1: there's also the option like we're, we're pretty close to a scarrow bingo a scarrow in the classic series bingo
0: hmm, right
1: because it's never seen again after uh after destiny uh so obviously we have the daleks itself mm-hmm. uh and is it day uh, that, that goes there uh, um in, no. in the first we hear evil the evil okay so we've yeah, got Evil correct. and we've got the mutants slash the Daleks, right? right? Exactly. So, yeah, we're, we're close. We could have a uh, Scarrow in the old series bingo, and maybe if we do Magician's Apprentice, uh, uh, Sorcerer's Familiar, uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Magician's Familiar, sorry, um, Witches Familiar, God. <laughs> I can't uh, even remember that title. Uh, well, then we there, might. Yeah. Yeah, we might have it overall. Um, that would be definitely be an interesting one to go to yeah. with the well, whole Davros Asylum. chair Asylum. thing.
0: Beginning of Asylum is on Scarrow too.
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes, so the yeah. There crumbling. you go.
0: Yeah. Alrighty, let's spin this baby up.
1: All right, give me the countdown. We'll get it. a round number.
0: Four, three, two, one.
1: <laughs> Two hundred and twenty. Oh my God, we've we've gone fast forward again. We're in Whitaker again.
0: Yep, orphan fifty five.
1: Oh God, oh God, we've got That's some quarry. I'm right. they, they pretty sure quarry. this
0: this is quarry. <laughs> this is one That's of the bad. earliest. I, I was I was certain the, the randomizer would take us to some <laughs> some classic series thing. Some uh... you know, it's funny.
1: Orphan fifty five went through my head when you were saying that you wanted quarry. Uh, really. Yeah, and it just, because it isn't, right? But it's it's got that sort of windswept yeah, outdoor.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure oh, God. Like Dominators or something like that. Yeah. It was, yeah. All but no, right. and and, and I, I'm guessing, Pete, this
1: is not, Orphan 55 is not going to be a fixed point in time for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's fair to say. So no, you've been ignored, at least for now. But guys, we will not be ignoring you, of course, because we are looking forward to all of your comments and how you rated this episode. What did you think of Destiny of the Daleks, especially if you are on Spotify? Please go there and rate it because we're a podcast and you can find us on podcast apps like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Great place to leave a review and rating, by the way. Or any other podcast app that you happen to use whether it's uh, Overcast? The casting spell? I don't know. I'm, there's a lot of podcast apps, but uh, if, whatever you have, we're there. Uh, please share the podcast with a friend. That's absolutely the best thing you can do outside of leaving a review. Uh, follow us on social at pull to open on tiktok and pull to open 63 on twitter and instagram thanks very much to martin west for our music and to all everyone uh who leaves us great comments on all of our socials uh don't forget com slash pull to open also a great place to follow us and leave comments
1: Please see if you can stump us with uh, your emoji titles uh, because as you've seen this, uh, this episode there's definitely very doable uh, and hopefully we'll be able to reveal that mysterious 42 episode title next week on Pull to Open.
0: Alright folks, catch you later.